0: And welcome to In the Past Garage Rock Podcast, the show where we discuss Garage Rock gems and the bands that cover them. I'm your host, Weldon Gardner Hunter, and with me for the last 70 or so episodes, it's still my faithful co host, Eric Making Deals Comernicky. Spring is passing, the birds cry, and the fish's eyes are with tears. Ooh, sounds like a haiku. I like it. That's the first time I've heard a haiku on this podcast. If it, if it is, in fact, a haiku, we'll find out later. Well, I'll find out later. You guys won't find out jack squat <laughs> unless we feel like revealing it maybe at some point. So this is, of course, a, a show where we talk about Garage Rock Gems. I've already said that. But what we're doing this week is something a little different because we like to switch it up. We're getting tired of those kind of rage and songs that get you all riled up. We're in the mood because we're in the kind of height of winter now by the time this gets published you're going to be looking outside seeing dead leaves on the trees wind blowing through them you're going to be thinking of your lost loves things that could have been things that weren't things that never were going to be these songs are going to be the soundtrack to that this is a special episode which we don't have a title for yet but i call it slow burns organ slow burns and now of course because we have a term called the slow burns b e r n s which is The build-up, the best typified by um, "Twist and Shout. Everyone knows that you can... A song written by Burt Burns. So that's where the
1: Burns comes from.
0: Yeah, and a very prominent feature of music from the 60s. But this is different. This is the actual word, slow burn, where these are kind of moody, sad, atmospheric songs from the 60s done by garage rock bands that feature the organ prominently. So I think that sets the stage pretty well eric did you have anything that you would want to add about the sound of the songs that we're doing before people hear it farewell nuts we gotta go <laughs> <laughs> well we must run but we're gonna start with going in a in a funny way so let's start off with the first song we're gonna do which is phil and the frantics i must run which is either from 65 or 66 and here it is <laughs> Was Phil and the Frantics from it is 1965 when it was originally released, and then it was released again as a single in 66. I Must Run. Get the briefest of information on Phil and the Frantics. They are a combo from Arizona, and I'll list the names: Phil Kelsey, saxophone, and vocals. And we're gonna be talking. He wrote the song along with someone whose last name is Musel. Maybe Robert Musel, the famous Austrian writer, possibly got involved maybe after his death, uh, writing some songs for uh, Arizona garage rock combos, possibly. Bill Powell on guitar, Rick Rose on keyboards, and actually, it's, we're going to have to be talking about Rick Rose, for sure. John Lambert on bass, and Steve Foreman on drums. That's all the information I have on them, unless Eric has any more, but I'm going to throw to him anyways just to get us started talking either way. Here we go.
1: Right, so this this song is a bunch of things about it that stand mm-hmm. out there's there's several signatures to it and there's a little bit of stuff online about it you and i dug mm-hmm. up a couple blog posts um and at, the blog posts are disagree actually it seems to be a polarizing song but mm-hmm. one element of the song that you'll you'll read is that the song is possibly plagiarized from i must move by uh, the zombies hmm so you'll recognize the similarity in the title. I must move, I must run. And if you listen to, I must move by the zombies, you'll hear that the structure, the chord progression, everything is quite similar. I'd say that the chorus is actually maybe the most different, the I must run versus the I must move. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, most people who comment on that agree that I must run by Phil and the frantics is the superior song. So yeah, that's the point where there's agreement is that we know that I must run by Phil in the frantics is very good. And you got a song here where th- th- it's it's both good, but also kind of funny. Like when you we were just watching the video up from Bolt 24 Hot Sounds mm-hmm. and this one was coming in in Bolt 20. Sorry, Bolt 24 Hot Sounds being the name of a channel on YouTube and Bolt 24 Hot Sounds uh, uploads quite a lot of garage rock. And this one was on a top 100 Garage Rock songs list, and this one was coming in at number 51. Now, Weldon just mentioned we're on episode 70 or something. So if you're in Garage Rock song number 51 of the top 100, you're doing pretty well. So this is a good one. This one came out, I think, on the first Pebbles compilation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so let's, let's talk about talk Now, so... When someone says, so you look in the comments of this Bolt24 Hot Sounds video, and a lot of people are saying, fantastic, incredible song. Now, we do a lot of songs where we say, this is an incredible song, and it just is an incredible song. I think if you say, this is an incredible song, it is a good song, and you probably do love it, but there's a part of you that... There's a touch of irony there, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a little bit silly, too. Because in the chorus, Phil is going, I must run, I must <laughs> run, I must get away. And it's just very, it sounds very childish and petulant. Yeah,
0: yeah, point. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I never, I, there is something about some of a few of these songs that have a childlike quality. So, right. yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so in the verse, the verse actually has some neat chords
1: to it that, I mean, the first chords go like this. So it's actually kind of an unusual, neat little chord combo. And one thing I like about it is that you're sort of trying to identify, because the song is about this guy who is running because his heart's been broken or whatever, he's been cast aside. And it doesn't sound happy and it doesn't sound sad. So I think what the chord combo in the sound of the verse sounds like is emotional ambiguity. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting because you're not sure where it's going to go. And that's why ultimately that verse is probably a little bit more interesting than the chorus. The chorus brings a little bit of irony to why you would love the song because he's going, I must run, I mm-hmm. must run. And then... They're just going like bash, 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 just hitting the quarter notes there in the chorus, right? And I think the chorus gets especially a little bit silly when you get to the second chorus and Phil decides he's going to blow some quarter notes yeah. on the
0: saxophone. Yeah, you actually hear the sax
1: in there. Yeah. But then but then he's singing too, so I don't understand like... It's got to be an overdub. It's, not, yeah. it's just not a live... So, I mean, we've done some completely classic songs that were live off the floor from what we read, like Sweets for My Sweet. So mm-hmm. Phil and the Frantics must have had a bigger recording budget then then sweets from my sweet did and this is co-produced by waylon jennings so Waylon yeah. must have been there been why don't you lay some saxophone down i don't know if that's, a waylon jennings.
0: <laughs> that's hey, how exactly why don't you put down some sax under the chorus <laughs> he's he's turning a bit into what's uh how come i can't remember his name the famous uh american actor who played a cowboy oh, john the wayne john wayne yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well boy uh, he i guess he's he's uh Fading from public memory, if I'm forgetting, or maybe just my memory is fading. Yeah, possible. people used to talk about John Wayne all the time and, like, impersonate
1: him and quote him. Yeah, people don't talk about him anymore. That's, I don't know why that's a mystery to me.
0: No, it's just because we're getting old, I guess. That's probably yeah. it. We we are running away from uh, relevancy. <laughs> but, yeah, um, uh, there, yeah. a few things you've put up. One thing that I'd point out is we just listened to the song again while – while it was being played for our pastornauts, because we're live in the studio here. And uh, I was like, man, it sounds really great. Like, it just, like, what a clean... Pro- maybe it Jennings, it, maybe it does sound Roy. great.
1: It's a yeah. good-sounding recording. And a couple things... Sorry, I kind of jumped in. Did you want to say... No, no, go <laughs> ahead. I've ready for you to keep talking. That's all I had to say, really. The Like, one of the blog posts that we read, the guy is kind of like kind of saying stuff and you'll read this book. garage rock Song. sometimes where he's going like this incompetent performance and stuff and it is far from being some kind of incompetent performance like the band acquits themselves actually quite well uh what like those couple points where it gets a it doesn't have a lot of harmonic complexity to it would Mm be i don't want to talk about this yet because it deserves a full conversation but like the one note organ solo would Mm -hmm. be a spot where you're like well maybe you guys could have added a little more a little more complex melody in there but it works pretty well Mm -hmm. uh I mean, Phil's vocals don't quite sound like some professional vocalists would sound, but that's okay. Who wants yeah. to hear like American Idol, you know, he, he, uh, on, on something like this? And for the most part, he's not bad. Some of the vocal parts are a little bit silly, like when he when he goes uh, when he goes, uh, "You don't really care for me." Oh, oh, uh, oh, oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they're going for something kind of. Herman's Hermity uh yeah sounding there's there's a really goofy quality to the vocals and I put it down they're soft and tender and I put slightly accented and breathy but I think I'm really looking for something where it's nasal and it's very almost like you're gonna get if these guys are from Arizona right so I have a feeling that's near Texas they play in Texas and sing in this voice they're gonna get they're gonna get run out of town I wonder how Waylon Jennings even tolerated it but yeah, it's very affected in a way. There's something about these yes. vocals that are very strange to me. They're, they they kind of make now in a way. I think they put a stamp on the song, Stars don't seem to shine in the sky anymore. Is this something? I mean, obviously, I'm exaggerating it. Ooh. But then, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're we're. I mean, it, it, there's a lot to say about the song. But uh, yeah, there's the the lyrics are very. So uh, let me actually go through the. The first stanza, stars that don't seem to shine in the sky anymore. Where is the ocean that once rushed ashore? So, wow, stars aren't shining in the ocean. I think there's some debate about
1: what that line says, whether it's once rushed ashore, washed ashore, brushed Mm. the shore. I I I wrote down like four different phrases that I thought it could be. I think that there's, I talked about emotional ambiguity. I think this is like semantic ambiguity here.
0: Yeah, I was noticing that uh, because with the first three songs, I actually got the lyrics and it was someone online who each time had put them there, but I did notice differences and sometimes I actually changed them. But this one, I, I I have a feeling it is washed ashore. Um, but yeah, so in the, uh, the crucial thing in these two images are saying that the stars aren't shining anymore and the ocean has stopped. There's no more tide. It's because you finally... So it's the pathetic fallacy, as we learned in uh, literature, the idea that... Uh, Something happening to you is affecting the world outside. Mm. You see the world as no longer having any of the natural. Like your uh, perspective is reality. Yeah, yeah. And so that means you're probably like a big simpering baby, which is what Phil is here. It's because you finally proved to me that you don't really care for me. So Uh. he's calling
1: her two-faced here, right? Because he's saying you finally proved to me. So it's like something he suspected already. Like, oh, you finally did. I suspected it all along. Now you've
0: proved it. And it's it's got a lot of that uh, classic 60s incel uh, misogynist masculine sort of uh, trope, which, you know, we, I don't want to say we like it, but it's there and we're really used to it. So it's just like, oh, here we go. And then um, look at verse two where he's so changeable, right? Because yeah. then he
1: says like sweet things. He's
0: like, <laughs> yeah. you're
1: like no one else that I have ever met. But then he's like. You are no good. Let me <laughs> yeah. tell you why.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. One special girl I could never forget. but now oh, I'm really. what about the them.
1: drum fills? Sorry, the drum oh, fills.
0: Yeah, you're God, right. I was flipping I, about the drum fills. And, you know, and I, the, the ride cymbal. Yeah, I, for some reason, didn't put them down in my notes, but I was noticing them. And I think the reason I didn't, I was thinking about it today, is that I'm listening to so much music, and I'm always hearing really cool drum fills. And that <laughs> now they're just becoming, I just am used to them now. We listen to so many songs with awesome drum fills. Uh, but let's give credit then to Steve Foreman, who's doing those drum fills there, because he's keeping a little, he's, he's putting a song that could be potentially, I suppose, uh, very, very, oh, there's, see, this is a, a show where I think we're going to have to find a lot of synonyms, and we're going to have to find a lot of really proper vocabulary. Mm-hmm. But I, I use the word kind of simpering. This could be a song uh, that could come off as very self-pitying. self, uh, self uh, pitying. And, well,
1: I, uh, I think it still comes off a little self-pitying.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Although I kind of like that because, I mean, it's a a ballad. And for me, I don't really pay attention to the lyrics. It's just that we're forcing ourselves to. So I just hear a guy singing in this kind of silly voice that, to me, maybe makes more sense that he's just trying to sound a little bit commercial for – female record buyers and uh right. he was trying to sound a little bit like a cute british boy or something but you know what i did listen to another film the frantic song and it really is kind of his voice so <laughs> right <laughs> you know i guess that's just the way Phil sings. he's like look i can't help it i'm phil So, um,
1: but yeah, the band probably saw him playing sax and they knew that like Mark Lindsay played sax, Mark Lindsay from Paul Revere and the Raiders. They were like, well, Mark Lindsay plays sax and listened to his voice. They saw Phil playing sax and this without listening to him, they were like, you should be our lead singer. (laughs) (laughs) And then he went... Oh, thanks. Stars don't seem to shine
0: (laughs) in the sky anymore. So, if Phil's uh, still with us and he's listening to this episode, he's probably getting mad right now. He's (laughs) like, I'm going to write a song about these guys. And he's like, You (laughs) motherfucker. Wow. Phil really brought it out there, so yeah, that's the first thing I know. But let's talk about the fact that the song starts with a really cool sort of three known pa- three note kind of do do do, and yeah. it's kind of it's kind of zombies because I think the zombies rip off Phil and the Frantics later with the doo do I think they heard Phil and the Frantics, and they and they went, "Oh yeah, you rip us off? We'll rip you off." And they just managed to have a huge hit with "Time of the Season." But there is that nice little kind of opening, and it does part seem to be part of the structure of the song. At some point, they bring it back that little three-note pattern on the drums and the bass before the organ. And then the organ, like a lot of the songs on this episode, are, it's just going to dominate the song, uh, which I like. And which is why I selected a song like this, because it's just all about having this organ just careening out of the speakers, your transistor radio that you're listening to on the beach. And it's making you feel sad on a sunny day. I like it. I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, the guitar plays sort of arpeggios during mm-hmm. the verse until – i mean there's there's also that little variation where um but you don't really but um yeah Yeah. and then in the chorus is where they do that unison stuff and that's the one spot where i feel like they they could have done maybe a little bit of counterpoint in there or something but hey who am i to criticize fill in the frantics they've got a song we're still listening to and talking about in 2021 Mm -hmm. so kudos uh, so where did sorry where did we leave off with the lyrics okay you you go ahead because I kind of jumped ahead but you go ahead and read the the second
0: verse because you didn't really read that out yet oh okay well you well, I kind of read real fast though but right. you are like you are like no what like, how does he say it? you are you're like, like no,
1: no one else that I've ever
0: met is it like that you yeah. are like you're like yeah how does Phil do it <laughs> yeah he, that's hard actually there's something that doesn't scan there so you are like no one else that I have ever met. One special girl I could never forget, but now I'm really losing you and there's nothing I can do. I must run. I must run. I must get It's hard to go that
1: high. See, it's hard to go. <laughs> yeah, up, like, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So that's why I went low. Uh, I must try to forget and be happy again. There is something in that uh, vocal or that uh, well, let's call that the chorus because it must be a chorus. Right. Those two lines there. Uh-huh. That's almost a little bit. It's very theatrical. It's very dramatic. And it doesn't seem to come out of garage rock. It comes out of like some other kind of pop tradition. It's almost more like something you'd get. I I won't call it operatic because it's not exactly that. But But you're
1: right. That's what I meant by when I said the chord combo is actually quite clever. Like this is not Mm -hmm. a typical like the kind of guys who just take all their chord progressions from R&B. This is you're right. This is from the pop world. And we've actually got some good. I don't know. We actually got we've got some good <laughs> songwriting in this episode, and the songs we're doing today. I think these are all like this turned out being a really nice variety of songs. The four songs mm-hmm. we're we're talking about today, and yes, yeah, so, and you're right. And that's that like, chorus. The I must run, I must run. It is interesting the way that the music matches the emotion there, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. the 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 urgency, uh, and the reason he has to get away. Is because he kind of just can't be in this space anymore. It must remind him of his relationship. He feels like he needs a total change of environment so mm-hmm. that he can move on and be happy again. I also like the way, and I didn't notice this till we were just listening to it uh, this time, but the way that his voice trails off at the end of again, again. It's like, I can't do it. Oh, uh, yeah. This is how he holds on at the end of again. It sounds. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's why again it it does have a sort of dramatic. I'm trying to think of similar songs that would be, you know, done by I don't know, thinking of people like Peggy Lee or something that would have this kind of dramatic quality. It's not something that I am as uh, well versed in and I guess I could ask this week's intern Gunner, but I didn't really uh, get Gunner to look up that stuff. Uh he had a pretty easy week cuz I was distracted. It's the last week of classes at uh, St. Swithin's School for Confused Rich Kids, so
1: it's like only Roy Orbison does songs with this kind mm. of
0: melodrama, except you go. that he
1: sings like Roy Orbison.
0: Yeah. Actually, Roy Orbison could really make a good go of this song. Mm. I think. Yeah, I you're right. That's a good person to to put it because this that chorus definitely has – it's Orbisonian for sure. Oh, yeah. That's nice. <laughs> I like that too. So I like coining words um what else do i have well i really like though that they have that crescendo i shouldn't even ask is it a slow burns with it a slow burn because Ooh. in a way it's a build-up to uh i don't know if it's a build-up to anything and then in the sort of twist and shout style but the organ is much more aggressive What is it's like ink 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 and then uh it, what it shows is that there's some different dynamics that the organ is playing in the song it's got the classic sort of shimmering notes and of course i went and looked up uh synonyms of shimmering which is the i think the obvious word we'd use another way you might describe the kind of organ tone that you have in 60s songs like this is bright it's a very bright sound and funny because it is also a song that has such a melancholy feel so the organ i think really for the 60s provided a kind of outlet for people they understood like what it signified in a sound in a song like this and they really wanted it because when we get to the solo which we're getting close to We'll talk about, again, I think there's other songs that have similar kinds of solos, and we might actually hit on some of them. But I really do like that the, the the organ sound has a kind of shimmering sound, but it's also got that kind of circus quality. And of course, one thing I think is extremely important to note on songs that have this kind of melancholy sadness and sometimes... Uh, in different ones that we look at, like the next one, please stay when we get to that. It's kind of a churchy sound because of course I went, I spent mm. the first 12 years of my life going to church and a church organ always has this real decay, right? Where at the end of the last note, you hear the organ sound continuing to ring out. That's just one of the qualities of like the organ. And so I think that that's a beautiful sound. Of course, there was, like, organs are famous if you think of like uh, Phantom of the Opera or you think of Bach and people like that and the preludes. You will think about this organ sound being this, in a way, almost the loud rock sound of its day. And so in the 60s, it's still sort of seen to have some sort of possibility, sonic possibilities. Wow, that's the first time. I think that's the most pretentious thing I've ever said on on this podcast. And I've said a lot of pretentious things, but I, I, I believe it. It's taken this long for me to say sonic possibilities. But I think that's what the organ gives you. And I think people who like garage rock really love the organ for all these many facets that it has.
1: Well, what the organ brought to the world of the keyboard is that when you play a piano, uh, the piano has hammers in it, right? That's how it works. Mm. And so it's, it could be considered a percussion instrument because it uses hammers. And you, you play the piano and the notes, uh, the, they decay much, much faster, right? Unless you use the sustain pedal and then they'll sustain a little bit longer. But when you play a piano, it is impossible to get endless sustain or to sort of remove dynamics and sustain equally with a chord. So that's what the organ brought to the table is you can hold down a chord on an organ and it will sustain literally endlessly. If you hold the chord mm-hmm. down, it will play at the same volume and without breaking. So even more than like someone playing a bowed instrument, you, it's, you, you can't bow forever if you're a singer, you can't hold your note forever. An organ has endless sustain, something that is not a quality of very many instruments. Uh, but what you lose then is the dynamics of a piano. So in, swelling in, swelling out, fading in, <clears throat> fading out, those dynamics bring emotional elements to instrumentation. That acoustic instruments, the voice, and things like that do. So you do notice that with these organ songs is that these these notes are holding at the same volume, providing this this bed. But yet, as Weldon said, they are shimmering, they are ethereal, they are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And even though they have um, a mechanization to them in a way, or so, uh, a mechanicalness to them in that they are unnatural, they can sustain infinitely. But they do have. Uh, a beauty. They they have this uh, this shimmering, beautiful quality that I think is worth mentioning. Another thing about the organ is this one is this type of organ sound is a little bit nasal, and I think that's one of the appealing things mm-hmm. of the song is that you've got this nasal organ sound
0: and you've got a kind of nasal singer singing the song. Yeah, for sure. And you've added a whole bunch of new uh, synonyms then for when we inevitably describe and as the person who writes the descriptions or more properly the descriptos for our episode. You know I'm going to use a word like swelling organ sounds. Ethereal is also really good, and otherworldly is one that I didn't thought of because we noticed with these 60 songs, and we, of course, one of the songs we've done that has, like, a strange organ sound in it is Not Me by Gary U.S. Bonds, and then it was done uh, by the Azaleas. And that had, a really even though it was just, like, a couple notes that they played, the organ sound was so uh, very prominent there and so... um, It's the kind of like eye-raising kind of sound that you wanted for that time. It's kind of a novelty too. Um, But you also notice the beauty of it too, that there's a beautiful sound. So there's all these kinds, And then I also like the idea of swelling being something like when you think of this song and he talks about how the ocean that once washed ashore, the organ is it's almost like uh, it can be sort of making you think of the natural world that he thinks doesn't exist anymore. The only thing now is just the the sound of the organ is the only thing that can give him any kind of sustenance and of course the song has these stops too right like where it just all suddenly stops mm. and he comes back so super dramatic but the organ without that that they this the, if you were to cover the song without the organ you'd be a a madman right and i don't recommend doing crazy things like that because this I, song. i would still cheer for it if i was in a pub and someone did the song
1: with no organ but i definitely if i if i bumped into the band in the washroom or at the bar i'd be like yeah you guys you know you got to get the organ in
0: there <laughs> well what happened if what 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 happened if one day i got up uh at a at a pub and just like did an a cappella version of it now that would be brave i'm calling myself brave here imagine that just going up and like
2: stars don't seem to shine love <laughs> it, actually
0: and no and the, just making people suffer through uh, awkwardly and like me actually going I must run I must run I must get away <laughs> yeah I like breaking into an operatic voice yeah you gotta do it. it's so fun and actually so this song has a lot of karaoke possibilities or as we call it karaoke ability um, I would say there's high karaoke ability we sometimes forget to talk about karaoke ability but I would say this one's got high 10 10 out of 10, karaoke and, I agree. If you did this at karaoke,
1: well, one, if someone knew the song, they'd freak out. But even if they didn't, they'd be they'd mm. be freaking out. Another thing I just noticed about the lyrics is that the uh, verses, they have, you know, a lot more like poetic language, longer words. They say things like, where's the ocean that once washed ashore? But when you get to the really desperate moment in the chorus, you switch to very short one-syllable words mm. that pour out more rapidly. So that they, again, they're fitting the, mu- the lyrics with the music quite well. Uh, I must run, I must run, I must get away, compared to things like, oh, what a tragic memory. You know, that then you get got a very different type of language being
0: used. Well, let's even talk about that last word. So, I, then, so let's talk about the third verse, and we will talk about the solo, because I think it comes after the first yes. time he says the third verse, and then he repeats the third verse. So it's, what happened to the happy life that I once knew? I never knew a person like myself could feel so blue. Now, there, there's our old friend feeling blue. And again, and then, sorry to... Break in for a second,
1: but in all these verses, in the second line of the verse, background vocalists come in and they do mm. either a woo or a whoa, kind of some kind of whoa woo. woo uh,
0: yeah, variant. yeah, 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 for sure. Well, we'll t- we'll definitely talk about the theremin sounding backing vocals that come at two minutes thirteen seconds, um, and then he says, of course, oh what a tragic memory. The wall's been shut from under me. How do walls it's, get shut underneath you? That's what I hear
1: too, but I kept trying different words to see yeah. if they would make more sense. I had the walls been shot from under me, the world's mm. been shot from under me, shut, shot, all sorts of different.
0: I think he's, I think he's, I think he is saying the wall's been shut from, and that makes you think of like medieval times or something. Like he's been, he's been, uh, he's cast out of the town, which would have walls and would have a gateway, you know, and those kinds of things and night watchmen. So, so it's just an odd image for a song from the sixties or now, because walls don't get shut, you know, doors are shut. Walls are just walls. So uh, anyways, it's just odd. It's very, it's got a lot of strange, uh, strangeness to it it's a straight that's the thing what you're going to get with organ songs is a very strange feeling because of the fact that the organ in this case just is there um to provide these dynamics and to provide this kind of otherworldly ethereal swellingness and all these other words the shimmering sound sometimes circusy sometimes churchy makes feel a lot of things but i think we're now reaching the 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 solo here so should we talk about the the very simple but very kind of affecting solo well, one question first. So mm-hmm.
1: the bands that these bands were really aspiring to be at this time, what year was this song released again? Well,
0: it's 65 when it first, first came. So it's actually kind of, uh, uh, you know, because Garage Rock is, we really think of it as just a peak in 66. And, you know, there's not, we don't do that many songs that actually come from 65, 64. If they're American, it's almost always 66. That was the year of the deluge. And then 67. There's really just two years. And then 65 is this kind of like year, of course, that the Beatles are doing uh, things. So that's maybe one of the reasons why these bands don't know what they want to be, because in 65, things are moving around a lot. you got Rolling Stones. You've got Herman's Hermits. I think you do in 65. I'm not exactly sure. Um, if Beatles, of course. Uh, so lots of options. I suppose the Who are coming around. At this time, aren't they 64, 65? These guys don't sound like the Who in any way. Well, that's why I'm wondering if the bands that were really influencing these guys were the Who in the Beatles
1: and the Rolling Stones. I know there's others, but so many of these bands have organ in the minutes. So there's Vox, Continent, Vox Continental or Farfisa Sound. But hmm. where were they getting this from in terms of their influences? Because the Beatles don't have a lot of songs that have like Farfisa organ in them, nor do the yeah. Stones
0: or or the Who. That seems to me like the thing that really uh is is as a garage rock podcast I feel like we should know this. And I so my only thing is uh is to say that I think it's coming from an American sound. But then again remember Joe Meek who's about to appear in our next song really relies on the insanely Otherworldly organ sound, uh, in songs like Telstar, right? So it might be also coming from there. Uh, it probably comes if you're a band from Arizona, a kind of Tex Mex thing. Of course, we know about uh, um, 96 Tears, question or Huh and the Mysterians, and they're, of course, from Michigan, not they're Mexican kids from Michigan, but that it does have kind of a maybe a border sound too. So that's another thing. I don't know, it's interesting because I, I just said it's kind of Mexican, I also said it's kind of British. So I think it's just there. I I don't know why the organ – I have another uh, theory is that the organ is kind of more of an instrument that you would have in the home at that time because there was – remember the Bon Tempe organ? The Bon Tempe – yeah, that kind of thing is the way that that sometimes parents would get their kids to play sound. And I think that probably parents liked it because it does have that kind of church element. So I think that it's just a pervasive instrument at the time, and it isn't anymore – I could see it appealing too, because, well, for one thing, if you're taking an
1: instrument from venue to venue, um, an organ, although not in, you know, not nothing to carry around, is a lot easier than a piano. To Mm -hmm. Take from venue to venue for one thing, but also that element of sustaining, right? So if you're a band that doesn't Mm -hmm. have the greatest skills in the world and you want to have a song that kind of goes from chord to chord to chord and you want to fill in the sound, then an organ is a a wonderful thing because you're going to sound like it's you're going to have
0: a full sound. Yeah, and I think another thing is listeners right now are probably shouting into their transistor radios as they hear us going, well, it just sounds cool. Everyone knows that the organ sounds cool. So that's like, that's the answer.
1: But that's my answer for everything. And I I feel like as an analytical podcast, I have to sometimes go a tiny bit deeper. But usually that is the
0: actual correct answer. Yeah, I think it's that we know it's like, well, it looks cool and sounds cool. Like you play the organ looks cool because you get to sort of do that straddle thing with your legs. And then, you know, you just sort of like play a few notes. And then you, you know, who is it, Uh, of course, in Dave Clark five, Mike Smith, right? Mike Smith, the yeah. organ and uh, singer. So he knows where it's at. He know, you know what instrument you want to play if you're in a, a, a 60s combo. It's not guitar. It's not bass. It's not even drums. It's not even sax. It's the organ. So, yeah, Rick Rose. Let's give it to him. And then, yeah, so we get to the solo here, which we've talked before about the idea of stops. I don't know if that's what he's just – it just sounds like he's just playing a higher, you know, uh, some notes higher up on the the, the keyboard there here. Or it might have a little bit of a filter that he's like switched on to make that sort of higher sound that you get from the solo. It comes at one minute, 22 seconds.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I I think he's probably just playing higher, but I really don't Mm. know. I know very, very little about analog organs. Um, Sometimes I'll use like a simulated organ thing on my computer or something, but i rarely played an an actual organ like the one this guy would have been using so yeah i'm not sure but he does something He's going to single notes plays a pretty simple but effective Mm -hmm. melody Mm -hmm. here that carries us into
0: the next section of the song it's certainly a memorable moment in the song yeah, and like uh, I'm thinking of 60 songs that had big organs when I worked for years. And it's been a long time, if you're playing the drinking game that I mentioned when I worked at a bakery and we always listen to mm-hmm. 60s radio. My boss, when I was a baker, uh, when I worked at Knights in the 1990s, he was a huge fan of a Canadian band called Mash McCann that had a song called As Years Go By. Now, that is an organ song. Nee-noo, 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 nee-noo. and he loved that song he not only loved that song it's, it's the song that he fell in love with his uh future while he got married to susan this was my boss larry and his wife susan so if larry is listening to this i am imitating the way larry talked he had a boness <laughs> accent if you ever go to calgary meet someone from boness they're talking like uh, it's interesting because i saw mash mccann in 60 that's a
1: boness accent Hey, can we try a, a quick conversation between Larry and Waylon Jennings? <laughs> okay, so Larry, I
0: I can't figure out this uh, what what to do with this organ.
1: Well, Larry, I suggest that we just have it play some single notes, and they will sustain, and we'll just put a solo in there.
0: Now, now that's interesting. I think that's the that's the trick, right? Yeah, you figured it out.
1: Larry, have you ever heard MASH McCann?
0: <laughs> so MASH McCann was, uh, he, every time that song came on, as years go by, I love that, by the way. That's our first little piece of in the past theater. And so <laughs> the, the in the past players will be featuring in future episodes. We now do
1: sketch comedy as a, as oh, a big part.
0: No. <laughs> improv is seeping in. we got to stop this. We're going to hear about this from the shareholders and the <laughs> listeners. No more improv comedy. <laughs> or more the worst would more improv comedy (laughs) we'll be like oh no (laughs) we shouldn't have done it why are (laughs) we so wacky and zany but (laughs) i really do like the solo it does make me think of that song and i just think people like the songs of course we other song we think of speaking of larry hats off to larry uh yeah yeah that's a great that's a great song yeah yeah songs that have crazy organ sounds in
1: them so and again sort of nasal singing Del shannon was a fan fantastic fabulous singer but hat does does like mm-hmm. an intentionally nasally kind of
0: thing you know yeah yeah exactly so so that that solo is there just because people want to hear it and it spotlights it there the one the other thing i'll say about all the songs that we do is a successful slow burn organ song has to have a moment where you just sort of spotlight the organ or you let it just speak for itself and usually at the end when you get that sort of washing decay at the end that's something you really should go for and this song has it but we're not talking about the ending yet so Uh, I think there's a word that the M word comes up pretty soon here, but I don't know if I'm get to it. Is there some modulation? (laughs) Yes, it modulates. Uh, absolutely. After the
1: organ solo modulates up a half step or a semitone, which is the conventional way to modulate, to build, (laughs) uh, to build drama or to, yeah, yeah, to build tension or whatever. Uh, yeah. And and if you want to go ahead and read the last verse, so this would be up, I believe it's in C. So this would be in C-sharp now but for mm-hmm. this verse.
0: Well, I think we actually did that. But oh, yeah, I'll we read this, yeah. Yeah. read this verse yeah. already, right? But, yeah,
1: you're right. We did, But it's the same verse as that other one, right? Yeah, he that's right. Yeah. Again. He,
0: yeah, he just sings it again. Yeah, that's right. But, I forgot. And then the solo. next really notable thing is the, woo. Yeah, yeah, which I like because I think it's, I have it down to theremin-sounding backing vocals. I think they've just went, look, we can't get a theremin, so let's just go, woo.
1: yeah it it reminds me of the the pixie song where is my mind yeah, yeah when they do those yeah. high vocals except way cooler of course yeah. right yeah like they sure. wish they were uh fill in the frantics. although actually the actually pixies or the i'm just gonna call them the pixies i don't care what yeah, they yeah. say that's okay yeah uh, they they could probably do a pretty good i i must run even the the chord chord combo of the verse reminds me a little bit of where is my mind actually it's got a similar feel maybe there was some kind of homage there yeah, maybe
0: because uh, I do remember once playing "Where Is My Mind" uh, when uh, I was visiting my brother one day. I put the cassette on, and he had two cats named Muffy and Bongo. And they, when they heard that part of the song and "Where Is My Mind," the ooh part, they went crazy. They like were like ha- happy or, or upset? No, they didn't like it at all. <laughs> they didn't like it. They just well, they they had to run. They must run. They must run. They must get away. <laughs> they were definitely saying, "We must run. We must run." they were just cool cats they did well you know what they didn't like stuff like the pixies they were into stuff like acdc and uh you know razor's edge and stuff like that so that's they're just cool cats basically but uh yeah i like i love that moment and then you, as you pointed out you can hear the sax on the chorus uh on yeah. uh, a couple wah, of times wah, yeah wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> it just adds a, so again i'm sure waylon was probably behind that because you know he's waylon on the sax so waylon <laughs> has to be part of that um so, yeah, and then I was, of course, a bit confused because it I, but it's obvious that it's just an overdub then because you can't play this live then unless they just get a guy in to play a single note. There's a lot of single notes in this song. It is simple, but I got to remember that the person that's dissing the song, that is the so there the one thing is if you Google this song, there is one person with a really, really Uh, hard-to-read web page that must be from like 20 years ago who's complaining... Oh, it's not 20 years ago because he's complaining about someone writing about this song who is Mark Prindle. And Mark Prindle was in the mid-2000s and he might still be a fairly active blogger. He's kind of like a math rock guy who uh, would review music. So I say a math rock guy. He wrote something where he was really dissing this song, saying it was kind of simple and dumb. Um, And of course, I'd expect a guy like that likes math rock to not like a song like this. Cause not right. enough math in this song. But then the person that responds to him is like, "Hmm, I don't hear the similarity between the song and I must move by the zombies. You're like, uh, but it's absolutely completely stolen. That's obvious. And he also did that thing,
1: which people do where at first he said, I don't hear the similarity, but then he said, well, and at that time it was very normal to take. another. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> well, wait a second. Did they not do it or is it very normal? The guy seems entirely too upset about a bad review of this song like i don't understand i mean then again if you feel a certain way about a song you can get totally triggered so i guess that's i mean next time i get really triggered i'll try and remember that guy but i've never written a whole web page then again i do have an entire podcast where we talk about songs we don't like so i guess i should just kind of maybe not say anything about people who get passionate about music yeah
1: there's some guy out there <laughs> writing a podcast about a, this is how a heartbreak saying why how does Weldon Hunter hate this song so much
0: but, oh yeah I mean for sure uh I there's an influential person in my life she goes oh, I kind of like Rob Thomas that person I don't know what they're thinking it's you can't think that way but well, th- thank god they're not that influential they're <laughs> not coming to the pod going like oh it's Rob Thomas and that's it I'll make sure that they don't have any uh, real impact on society. So I'm there to keep these people at bay, basically. Do you have more to say about Phil and his frantics? or? Um... <laughs> well, I should say that the song isn't very frantic. But no, uh, I no. do, I've do. i always loved the band name The Frantics. And we, of course, did the other frantics from uh, Seattle, Washington, who did Werewolf. So this is a different frantics. But uh, no, I have nothing else to say. So we should move on to the next one. And I do want people to notice that there's a... Um, A slight uh, conceptual through line here, because you know we just heard "I Must Run." Now the next song is by the Crying Shames from 1966, and it is called "Please Stay."
4: If I got on my knees and I pleaded with you Not to go but to stay in my arms Would you walk out the door Like you did once before Please stay, don't go If I call out your name like a prayer Would you leave me alone in my fear Knowing I need you so Oh, I knew, oh, how I knew that the heartache would start If I call out your name like a song which was written for you
0: was the cry and shames from 1966 with their version well their version i'm speaking like we're doing a regular episode here with their song please stay now i didn't gunner didn't get me any information on this band i do have a list of the band members names on discogs but i'm not going to read them out because it doesn't actually tell me who's who in this band um so uh the one thing is that it does say that Paul Crane is in the band, but then on the record, it says Carl Crane vocal. So I'm going to ask Eric, do you know anything about this band? Do you know any information? Well, they're a they're a Liverpool
1: band. I know that. So they're, they're a UK band, which I guess makes sense because this is a, a Joe Meek production. Uh, mm-hmm. That's actually all I wrote down is they're a Liverpool, Liverpool group. So they did this song, Please Stay, which is a cover of a Drifter song. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to the Drifters original, it's good, but it's completely different in feel. So it, it's got more of like a cha-cha, calypso mm. feel. Obviously yeah. something we don't object to.
0: Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we like
1: the Drifters. Yeah, and, and it's got to feel sort of like Save the Last Dance for me. More doo-wop feeling, much more happy sounding. This is a song written by Burt Bacharach and Bob Hilliard. Uh, It was a minor hit, reached number 26 on the UK charts. So we've got a group here called The Crying Shames doing a a song called Please Stay. And then their next single was called Nobody Waved Goodbye. So we've got here (laughs) the most depressing group. (laughs) Maybe in the world until The National, until that band The National came out. And then they took
0: the title. Good point. Yeah, I'm glad. I was thinking of The National today and why they exist well not today but it was this week of for some reason the national still just pops in my i don't actually think i've ever heard a song by the national but i do know that their lead singer is now a composer uh loser. there's nothing more, nothing more pretentious than a guy that's into like you know cool rock and roll music then he gets into composing yeah am i right yeah i would say that's <laughs> you've pretty much hit rock bottom <laughs> at that point yeah, but, uh, but uh, one thing that's funny, too, is that this song was Burt Bacharach's first hit. Not obviously this version, but the Drifter's version. And this is the, actually the last hit uh, done by Joe Meek before he murders his landlady and kills himself in, I think, which is 66, 67. I'm not sure when he does that. You know what I was thinking? Joe Meek and Phil Spector, both considered classic genius,
1: genius producers who, who move music forward a lot, both murdered women. But the historical perspective on phil specter compared to joe meek is very different it could be because no one talks about phil specter as a sort of a, a mental illness victim uh mm-hmm. whereas joe meek they do they talk about him as having uh suffering from mental illness uh, but yeah like I, is it because because uh phil specter like was an older man who killed a younger woman i actually don't know that much about the specters yeah yeah no his
0: thing was whereas joe
1: meek killed a landlady so people like oh well it's the landlady he's like (laughs) it's like crime and punishment he's basically raskolnikov from crime and punishment
0: that's right because that's exactly what happens in that yeah um well, I mean, I think Joe Meek, it, because he was he spent so long kind of being forgotten, like he had this sort of right. brief peak. And where for some reason in the culture, Phil Spector had always maintained his position, even though he like he still kind of sometimes had a hit, uh, because he worked with John Lennon in the 70s and then he worked with the Ramones, although that was not really super successful. And I think every now and then he had like a, a return where he would have a hit song or at least some sort of reappearance in the culture, but then he became, and of course, his story. The other thing with him was that. You know, he had basically jailed um, Ronnie Spector.
1: Yes, yeah. Well, (laughs) he
0: certainly sounds like a horrible person.
1: (laughs) And most of the stories you hear about Joe Meek are that he was like a nice eccentric guy who then kind of, you know, had a spiral downwards
0: yeah so yeah it's hard to say but yeah i think and also i think the joe meek thing has like the sort of being gay in a society because it was illegal and it was like pro- you could get prosecuted in britain at the time i'm i'm not saying that being gay in the united states was a, a cakewalk in the 60s but i don't think it was necessarily as repressive I, I don't it's hard for me to say but it does sound like it was extremely repressive at mm-hmm. least for joe meek in his case with and uh, he, I don't think he had the same level of success, like especially monetarily. So, and he, of course, we know his story that he was in love with Heinz and uh, mm-hmm. unrequited. Whereas at least Phil Spector got to marry Ronnie Spector, so Ronnie Bennett. And then, um, yeah, so the legends don't really kind of sync up. But uh, yeah, so this song has this elegiac quality also in being like Joe Meek's last hit. So I would say that that's kind of a unique. that a lot of these songs are going to have an elegiac sort of feel to them. Even in the story behind them, I
1: want to talk about the relationship between something being haunting and something mm-hmm. being creepy sounding. Because mm. they're mm. linked, but they're not the same and and it makes sense so haunting you've got that element of a ghost of a house being haunted but when you talk about music being haunting you're not talking about it being sung by a ghost or something you're talking about it having this kind of dream-like feel but yeah. something can also be creepy sounding so you can have a haunting that is referring to beautiful in a lot of ways like when we talked about um the searchers and we did the sweets for my sweet episode we talked about them sounding haunting sometimes but they don't they're not to me creepy sounding this, uh, this song would be known a little bit to the modern human because it was used in a film called A Place Beyond the Pines. Mm-hmm. I think the rest of the soundtrack was by Mike Patton from Faith No More. Actually, Faith No More <laughs> popping up on the podcast again. <laughs> so this song is in there, and I actually have not seen a Place Beyond the Pines, and I'm not going to watch Place Beyond the Pines.
0: <laughs> no, because Ryan Gosling's in it, and I can't look at his face. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to look at his <laughs> stupid face. So <laughs> he's. I hope he's listening right now. And there's a. He, he, <laughs> he's been listening loyally to all. I'm episodes. your only celebrity <laughs> fan. I've been recommending your podcast <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> and we betrayed him. Well, we can edit it out if uh, if we have a second thought. Well, but we're going to leave it in. Gosling, you'd be more helpful if you were more vocal and, like, tweeted about us every once in a while. Or did a Gosling, post. please help us. Tweet <laughs> out. Tweet us. Anyways.
1: Yeah, so 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 you, so it was in place beyond the pines. And I'm assuming they used it because of this haunting and creepy sounding weird quality mm-hmm. to it, which we'll talk more about. But Weldon, talk Talk to me about this relationship between something being haunting, but also something being creeping sounding. They're the same. They're different. This ghostliness of these things. So they're related to things that sound like they're coming from another
0: plane, another mm-hmm. world. Well, you know, it's uh, it makes me think. I had it in my notes for the previous song, and I didn't actually get. So I'm glad you asked the question because now I get to bust out something I forgot to talk about in my notes. Is the movie Carnival of Souls that I think is from the early '60s? It's just one of my favorite movies, and I just haven't seen it in a long time. And it's a, it's a church organist uh, in the movie who gets in a car accident and then lives in this dreamlike world. So all the words you were saying just really map really well onto this uh, specific movie that I was going to mention. So there's scenes where she's playing the organ, and then at one point she gets fired from a job because after the accident she's playing the organ. But she's playing the tritone. She's playing like this real like scary devil music, and the the priest goes up to her and says out. Uh, it's a beautiful movie. It's haunting, but it's also creepy because the word "creepy" you have to remind that we used to use the word "creepy" more often to rely on like a Halloween feeling, a feeling of uncanny kind of feeling of being chilled or spooked, right? And these now days it gets means- used more for Phil Spector. Spector, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and just so creepy now. And Ryan it- Gosling. And Ryan Gosling, <laughs> who who again I was even thinking about him because I was looking at the Place Beyond the Pines poster because you know one of the videos has him on it and i was like so why is he a good actor because he just seems to say things and you know that's what actors do and i'm like i don't see him doing much more than that i hope that there aren't that many pastor getting super angry but i don't think there's that many ryan Gosling fans in our midst but hey We've got a podcast. You can have a podcast where you talk about how much you love Ryan Gosling if you want.
1: I think it's that one time I asked someone for interview advice. Uh, now I'm harkening back to our recently published Get a Job episode. And they said, mm. don't talk yourself out of a job. That was all they said to me. So mm. I bet Ryan Gosling had an acting coach. And the acting coach just ah. said – don't talk yourself out of a job and he was like no okay <laughs> maybe he was it was the
0: exact same guy that you talked to too so you should ask that guy if he knows ryan gosling and you're like yeah funny you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah told, don't talk mine. yourself out of a job <laughs> yeah you just talked yourself out of a job because you talked about how you don't like ryan gosling i was going to offer you a really high-paying job <laughs> now i don't want to have you because i like ryan he's going to show up in the office every now and then. are like please keep hiring me um so yeah um, yeah that feeling there that dream like it's overlapping that's the thing i think is that the creepiness right. and the haunting because haunting of course means to in a sense the same thing to be visited by someone from the other world someone from uh who's passed yeah. into another world would haunt us so we use the word haunt in a more you know a benign way to just mean that past experiences in a way our uh, podcast is always haunted because we're always talking about people from the past and when the organ rings out we've even talked about the haunted who must Mm -hmm. have had a tough time being haunted in the 60s you're like look we're haunted somehow we don't know how because it's got to be in the 80s when you start being haunted by the 60s so we get this feeling uh, in many ways but yeah I think that the feeling for me is that it overlaps and so the that's the link between the two is that there is some sort of, there's a point where one's going to be bleeding into the other. Um, I mean, I'd like uh, to invite pastor to, to think about this. This is of course, always we point out for course credit at various institutions around the world, including Harvard and Oxford. So when you do listen to all the episodes and then take the final exam that one day we'll post on the internet for three hours. Um, if you get all the, if you get a good mark, you actually get a, a degree in garage studies. So, I mean, you just have to do one course, which of course means thousands of episodes that will eventually publish. So these are the kinds of questions you'll get, which is what is, remember back to the episode where they talked about police day, what were the comments on, you know, the, the, the connection between something as creepy and haunting, but the organ brings that out for sure, which is why I chose this collection of songs. So let's start talking about this song. Oh, well, let's keep going with that topic too, as we lead into the song itself.
1: Yeah. So haunting, creepy sounding. As the song starts up, one thing that I'm always surprised by, and I listen to the song a lot this week, is the instruments are so muted when the song starts Mm. up. So let's say you've got a Spotify playlist that starts with fill in the frantics, I must run, and then rolls next into crying, shames, please stay. When Please Stay comes on, you're going to say, man, this is quiet. And you want to reach for some <laughs> yeah, yeah. volume knob, right? But what you want to turn up is like the console, the master console that Joe Meek is working with. Because you're like, why do you got this? Why is this stuff so quiet? But it all becomes clear to you as you enter the world of the song. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that stuff is really quiet. And it comes in with this um this slow dance rhythm, which every song that we've done in this podcast that has been suited to a slow dance has had the same rhythm where it sounds a little bit like a 6-8 rhythm but it's actually a really slow 4-4 rhythm so like this one is in the verse is mostly going from a G to a B minor so it'd be like when I say sounds like 6-8 it sounds like this like 1-2-3-4-5-6 1-2-3-4-5-6 1-2-3-4-5-6 but the actual count is 1-2-3-4-1 and then the lyrics are, if I got down you're on my knees man, I'll Not to go, but
5: to stay in my arms,
1: and so and there you go, and you're right into the song there. So it's that 6 8 kind of feel, but it's actually a slow 4 4, and that is the to me the slow dance feel. So they're creating a song that's intended for lovers to get together and dance to. Now, this was a minor hit, but I think one thing is this song has so much desperation to it. You actually mm-hmm. don't Well, you don't want this to be like your song. If you're a couple, <laughs> no, no. it is, it is like just really, I, I mean, okay. So, you know, what came to mind as I was listening to this. Be, and again, because I was just, uh, or we were just publishing our uh, job trilogy episode mm-hmm. and there's a line in Alex Chilton's lost my job. Hopefully people listen to every episode. So when we refer to the stuff, they're like, Oh yeah, I just listened to it. Um, uh, yeah. And there's a line in Lost My Job where Alex Chilton says, I begged and I pleaded, I rocked and I moaned. And mm. that phrase kept coming to mind as I listened to this song because that yeah. is this kind of like – this guy is like pathetic. He he is desperate, right? Uh, so here's the lines. Oh, yeah, and you've got the or- – so in the very beginning of the song, the organ plays the verse melody. That's the first thing. There's a little like couple note intro like at the beginning of I Must Run by Phil and the Frantics. And mm-hmm. then this funereal sounding organ comes in, and this whole song just sounds funereal, so one thing about this song is this guy's saying, "Please stay," but you never get the impression one that the woman is even there, or that mm-hmm. there's any chance that she's coming back and mm-hmm. like she is gonzo she's gone <laughs> she went off with some other guy from town, right, who's yeah. way better, way cooler, more money, better car, better job, uh nicer clothes. All that stuff. Someone, right?
0: someone else from Liverpool that's more successful. Yeah, There's yeah. A lot of them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. Sorry, crying, Uh Well, my, number twenty six hits. They must have had like the number twenty five song. This other guy. <laughs> yeah. So the organ comes in with that na 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 na, and then this vocal comes in, and I've been thinking about this vocal all week. This vocal to me is so affecting. I don't know. I don't know how you felt about this vocal and it, a lot of it has to do with how Joe Meek has produced this so the way that he has one the instrumentation down so low and the vocal up very high yeah the, yeah the, the word that comes high. to mind is exposed ooh the, and it feels exposed it's intimate but it's exposed it feels naked it feels unadorned it feels like something is being shared with you that should own, that the person wouldn't want shared with you yeah and it fits the lyrics and fits the feel of the songs song so well. And I just think this is a brilliant vocal. And when you hear it the first time, you're a bit taken aback because you're like, yeah. is this even like good singing? What's happening yeah. here? This guy sounds a bit stuffed up. He lisps. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know?
0: He's a rap scallion. He's got the Tom rap. Lisp. Ah, yes. There you go. Ooh, nice new word. Uh, Someone who sings with a, like a strange vocal affectation or just an actual lisp or some sort of, I guess what we call an impediment. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a Rapscallion. So he says, if I got on my knees and I pleaded
1: with you not to go, but to stay in my arms and whenever, so they always go to that B minor on the, at the second half of the line. So if I got on my knees. And I pleaded with you, and to me, when they go to that B minor, it's just powerful. It's mm-hmm. just the, I, I don't know. That's that's got to be one of the best B minors in music. The classic
0: Komornicki exaggeration. There. <laughs> but he also the way he sings too is there's lots of vibrato. If yes, I got on my knee, It's very blue-eyed soul too. So uh, it's black, ballad-y blue-eyed soul. Blue when he extends, ballad. when he extends a lot of the words at the end
1: of the lines, like like you did once before, like a lot of those um. Don't. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll go through them. But yeah, when he when he does the vibrato and extends those words, it's really powerful to me. I I can't stop listening to it. Uh, so you, they do the B minor, really makes you want to go back to that major chord. Uh, then it says, "Would you walk out the door uh, like you did once before?" And when he nice. does those runs down like that, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's really beautiful when he does yeah. those. Cause And like I said, you kind of get the impression like, oh, can, is this guy able to sing? But then he does those runs down that yeah. are beautiful, and you're like, oh, yes, he can. Yeah. He actually is a good singer. This, it's just – I just think it's like a brilliant production. It, it I actually think it probably should have been a bigger hit, but you hear it, and it sounds obscure.
0: Certainly, it has the sound of like a cult song. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's something about the song, too, is that, of course um, – one thing you'll see is that there is a video of the band performing on some sort of um, variety show. Oh, I didn't States. see that. Oh, there, there is somewhere. But you know what? I actually didn't watch it. I just saw. It. maybe it's actually now I told you that you might click on the video and find it's just a picture of the band. But it does have that quality of like because it's such a poorly washed out picture that it always looked like this. Because the other thing with this, it is a joke production, but there is something very kind of lo-fi about it, except yes. that there's. There is something I'm going to be critical about the song. Well, let's just say it—the strings. But we haven't got—we haven't got to that yet. Really, I love but, the strings. So, will this is oh, right we're going to yeah, have? Yeah, we're going to have a, yeah, a face-off. Yeah. Then I was like, I was thinking about it this week too. I was like, I, I think we're going to have a disagreement. So it's about time because it's 70 episodes or so that we've done. It. <laughs> this is it, probably the last episode too. But I've already called it out. But let's get to. Uh, so was, uh, the other thing is when he says the chorus, "This time be different. Please stay. Don't." go it's the, he's every word is got he weighs it carefully so yeah. this time it's hard to imitate him because it's it's a really unique vocal performance that he put puts out there but it is exactly as you say it's so high in the mix that you hear him and it does sound very unusual and in the meantime the band is doing the slow burn sound right they're mm-hmm. doing the thing of the organ that's just doing this kind of like shimmering sound and you've got the band being pretty restrained right they're not doing anything maybe there's no drum fills like we had in fill drum fills in Phil and fill in the frantic so again it dynamically might lead from the last song to this one um but then i would also point out that lyrically that so we've talked about that the second verse if i call out your name like a prayer so again then i'm pointing out the religiosity of the church vibes of a song like this yes yeah
1: And, and it's funny that it fits so well because it is it's a line from an original song that didn't have that church vibe at all but in this occasion it it fits yeah very 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 well like when you hear it it just fits in with the sonic surroundings i also like since we're we're just talking about the chorus that redundant repetition of please stay and then don't go to me that mm-hmm. fits with suggesting desperation. Mm-hmm. Like he's just saying the same thing over and over again. And so, and he, there's times in
0: the song when he repeats it even more, he goes, please stay. Don't go, please stay. You know? Yeah. What's the song by the mood Eagles? Oh, it's just go now. Interestingly, it's another song that has sort of a, uh, just interesting that the title is go now. Um, but with a, a similar, well, that's a more lusty, belted out kind of soul this is something different this is very uh dark night of the soul it's got kind of i would say laura nero but laura nero of course goes into dynamic vocal ranges this guy is keeping it in in restrained this is a very restrained song yes so that's the other thing but i also put down that the singer sings words in a funny way i put down door and time and and that's when i was saying oh i think he might have a lisp so we've already kind of already
1: uh but you're right. Also, when he says words like door, he does something like door. I, I
0: can't do it. But yeah, you're right. He just says the word in in an unusual it, way. In it, his makes, it makes me wonder if like he's still doing a little bit of sort of R&B vocal inflection yeah. but in a song where there's no R&B. There's no, nothing R&B. Uh, then again, you could see an R&B singer like an Otis Redding or a soul singer being able to do this song no problem maybe mm-hmm. just giving it like a more extroverted vocal performance or an even more impassioned one mm-hmm. there's a lot of ways you could go but that's what makes this song interesting is that vocally Carl or Paul Crane is really is is performing this he eclipses the organ i'd say in a sense because for me i'm just going to get to it the, the criticism i have of the song is for it's because here's the thing It's a thing that I want out of an Oregon slow burn is to be an Oregon song all the way throughout. And then at 139, when the strings come in, the organ basically doesn't feature anymore. It's not spotlit. It doesn't seem, it seems like if you're the organ player, you know, once the strings come in, you've, you're the one who's gone. And you're like, no, please let me stay. Let me stay in the song, but I'm gone now. And Joe Meek has brought in the strings. And I also not a big fan of like then the, the kind of corny sounding female vocalists who come in. That sound a little too pop to me, a little too, I don't know, something that it, it's not rock. It's not, it's not my kind of pop. I don't know what it is. Okay. So here's what I will say is that Joe Meek,
1: um, who can, as we know from our episode on questions, I can't answer, which mm-hmm. Spotify has just told me was my most listened to song of, uh, of 2021. Wow. Not pork and gravy. Although you probably can't get that on. And my, my number one listened to artist apparently and this was like a shock for me Gregoire Murray Wait who's that? He's a jazz harmonica player <laughs> Wow Gregoire I could Murray. not believe it Apparently I'm in the top 0.5% Of Gregoire Murray listeners I don't even think I'm pronouncing his name correctly <laughs> Even he
0: doesn't listen to his music As much as you listen <laughs> that's to what I,
2: That's what I was thinking
0: <laughs> They were like you're right above Gregoire Murray <laughs> Wow. That's amazing. Uh, that's, I, I got to go check him out. Maybe we'll have a special episode on him. Uh, we'll, we'll, well, we'll definitely have to do a harmonica episode for sure. We'll get, we'll get Gregoire on there. So it,
1: it, he is, he is a good artist. I mean, he really plays a beautiful harmonica, but I certainly didn't think uh, when someone says like, who's your favorite artist? I, that's not who I say. I learned how to say his name properly. So you like Gregoire Murray and then Heinz. Yes. Yeah. those. That's <laughs> my top two. Wow. Okay, so I'm seeing what you're saying now about these strings, so it gets to the the, uh, bridge, or the middle eight, whatever you want to say, and Joe Meek really understands how to structure a pop song, and we know from questions I can't answer that he'll bring in these different elements, so that a new element comes in every Mm -hmm. verse, and... I think Mm. you might be onto something that he, it almost works against him in this Mm. case. So he's going along great so far. He's doing his creative production. He's a really unique sound. He's bringing this unique vocal to the fore, And then right before the bridge, you have this, uh, you know, it's a beautiful string arrangement, but it is conventional. So the strings Mm -hmm. come up and they're soaring up to get to the bridge. When he does that, I loved you before I even knew your name. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to give you my heart. Um, and then you're right. I also don't care for the female background vocals come in they're t- mm-hmm. They sound like fifties th- mm-hmm. and, and you're right. They sound corny. They're a bit like that Nashville sound or something mm-hmm. that, that yeah. uh, Chet Atkins would do. And it, it just is a little bit too corny for the intimacy of the song. So I guess I, I see where you're coming from. I still like the strings cause I think it's a nice string arrangement. So I like yeah. to hear them soaring in, but When you've put it that way, I understand that. I would now be curious to hear it without the strings.
0: Well, the thing is, this could be a song that could be made uh, palatable for both of us because there could be Please Stay, you know, the Joe Meek mix and then have uh, someone else, like a famous organist, I don't know, let's say Billy Preston, uh, come in and go, okay, I'm going to cut that bridge part out and then keep it just a slow burn song so that it doesn't have that. uh, Because I even think that lyrically the bridge that I loved you before I even know your name. I wanted to give you a heart lyrically is actually pretty blah, but then there's some really smart stuff in the, the verses. Like if I call out your name, like a prayer. And then he says it in the, the, I guess it's the fourth verse. If I called out your name, like a song that was written for you, you alone, I think it gets back into that impassioned, beautiful, slow burn. And then vocal. So this is, this could be an intense song with just the organ backing up the singer and having it do the swelling. I don't know why Joe Meek didn't let the swelling come from the organ. But, I mean, maybe he was just played out. Maybe he thought, the organ, I'm done with it. I've I've done everything you can on an organ. It's time for me to get into the strings. And I've got a, maybe some budget for it. So Another reason I'm now on board with this.
1: And now Pastor Knotts are like, oh, great. Eric, uh, of course, <laughs> ended up agreeing
0: with Weldon. Yeah, we do this.
1: But another reason I'm on board with this is because the whole... The, the daringness of the song the riskiness of the song is that exposed vocal and like taking a chance mm. being like i'm just gonna let this hang out there and you bring in the strings you're sort of like giving up on that mission of being mm-hmm. like yeah we're not gonna cover ourselves in adornments that will con- we're not gonna conceal uh we're just gonna put it out there um yeah so so i i would like to hear it without that and of course without some of those background vocals from toward the end too but so we've talked about that. Let's go to the next verse. And is the next verse the one where it's... Yeah, so there's those lyrics in the bridge, which you're right, are a little bit trite. But then, so if I called out your name like a song, which was written for you, you alone. Now, well, I just want to talk for a second about that line. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that image. So we're talking about a song written, and this is a band, this is a songwriter, so this is something they might do. Mm-hmm. Is a song that is written not like a song written for someone just you and you're ne- no one else is ever going to hear it you wrote it for that romantic interest is that mm-hmm. more of a special thing to me it'd be cooler if it was like yeah i made a hit song like if you were sharona and you knew yeah. the guy in the knack i'd be like yeah, yeah i'm sharona
0: yeah I've, I've i've read about sharona it's actually a woman named sharona who was his girlfriend and uh, she's a real estate agent now and uh uh, she was uh underage while he was dating her. <laughs> so, of course uh, that's the thing if you listen to knack lyrics you go oh yeah uh we're talking about the 80s the knack not the 60s freak beat knack of course that will one day appear on our show um but you're right there is something about like the, the the song that was written for you you alone it makes me wonder about like if you're in a state of joy and you're just singing the name of your the person you love but it's actually just you singing it uh, but it is a song written that was written for you, you alone. So it could be about, yeah, the pop songs of the day. It could be a kind of interesting commentary on these songs that have girls' names that are actually written for someone. And that person is the, the real uh, only person that the song really concerns. So there's something really fascinating about that. It's a pop song that has these two lines that actually kind of are a little bit meta Yes. There. Yeah. yeah there, there's kind of, that's kind of a nice moment. That's why I think there's actually some substance to the lyrics, but that part with the strings to me just takes it, you know, funnily by taking it up, uh, giving you a little bit of like, it's almost as if that, that bridge part with the strings gives you a, it's almost like it was maybe suggested by someone saying you need to lift the mood of the song, bring it back up. So you bring back to the moment where I wanted to give you my heart. I loved you before I even knew it. When there was this feeling of real hope, and optimism about knowing, not even knowing her yet, but being in love with this person so that you get this feeling of, oh, this is how good life once was. But then he says, but when you came back after me one time. But you really know weird. what redeems the bridge is when he
1: holds on the word start. So he goes, hmm. how I knew that the heartaches would start and he holds start and it's very beautiful yeah. there. So I do love that moment for dipping back to the G.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah.
4: Knew, oh, how I knew that the heartache
0: Yeah, so I mean, I could see why the inclusion is there is to provide with some some dynamics, but I guess I'm making a bold case for the organ slow burn. as the song that has less dynamics. If you're so so an organ, so we're defining the organ slow burn genre here a bit. So that's what's valuable about this episode is we're working on it as you're seeing like laboratory research in. Uh, real time here this but, is what it would be like if if i started hosting the podcast with a guy
1: who was an organ player and everything would be like i could be a bit more organ on the on this one huh? <laughs> what, what happened to the organ there <laughs>
0: well it's true but i mean the thing that's interesting is that if you're uh, anyone else in the band in one of these songs you're basically just going D-d-tsh or the bass player is just going, dun, 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 dun. so you're not doing much, but the organ gets to do all these cool things. So it's like a give the organ some is what these songs really are. Mm. But they also, because they emotionally really ride this sort of melancholy wave. They don't actually, they just rely on this one sound and this kind of one dimension. They're kind of beautiful one dimensional songs. And so for me, I think this is the one example out of all the songs, although Bye Bye by the Band, when we do that, is going to be a completely different thing too. But the other two, the ones that are in the middle, the one we just did, and then when we do Baby Let's Wait, are a little bit more just sort of like they stay in one kind of mode throughout, which I like for these songs. So I'm just basically saying I'm making an argument for the organ slow burn and this song could have been, to me, more effective as an organ slow burn. But I can see why. Uh, a composer of the ilk of Joe Meek said, well, we need some dynamics. We need this because then it'll be that tension that brings you back. So for me, the tension of Odin *Slowburn* is that the tension just stays on. a. Uh, the word I'm going to use, I was going to debut it in the next song. It's a rolling boil. That's one thing I like about some of these songs is that when you have a rolling boil going and you're making pasta, you're just like, look, there's this simmering boil and it's never going to boil over, but it's never going to go cold until I turn it off. This is the organ slower. This is the feeling you have when you're just in a rolling boil. And this song, of course, actually takes you back to the moment where he was in love, but then he brings you drop through right back to when the heartaches would start.
1: You know what those strings are like? It's like you've got a pot on the stove and it's boiling. You're making your pasta. And it's Mm -hmm. going along fine. It's at a rolling boil. And then your partner comes in and she turns down the heat on the burner. Like you were going (laughs) to cause some big accident. It's like, (laughs) I had things under control. You didn't have to do that. Things were
0: going great. Sounds like this happens a lot in the Komerniki household. I'm thinking (laughs) like, I'm seeing a lot of pasta related uh, domestic disputes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, we'll talk about this off pod. Make sure you're doing okay. But, uh, and I just mean like, maybe you are a bad pasta maker. I'm, I'm going to check that out. See, we'll compare pasta rest. Not. I'm a pasta oh, night nice. In the pasta. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. Italian. Yeah. Our new cooking <laughs> pod. That's good. Like I'd it. love people to
1: tune in and listen to us <laughs> give cooking advice. So when I'm making macaroni and cheese, I like
0: to give a little extra butter. I'm gonna. Like, I I feel like even though this isn't true, I like I like this. You know, I've got like a bunch of people who give me like the old pre 2015 um, craft dinner packets when it was really really orange, and now it's not really orange. I don't make. Yeah. I, I want to like reiterate that I don't make craft dinner. Wait, you that mean often. the
1: box, the package is orange or the you know, the, like, the pasta no, itself?
0: Like the, the, the pasta, you know, yeah, that really cheese, nuclear cheese orange yeah, yeah, yeah. cheese powder. Well, they changed it. I know that because you're a healthy eater. I know that you probably haven't seen it in years, but a few years ago, they changed it. And now it's this, it, they've kind of, it's it's a completely different color. And so you don't get that kind of nuclear orange or color in your that's craft. A that's a shame. That's a real shame. Yeah. That's that's something that we talk about on this podcast um, in a Joe Meek song somehow. Orange
1: craft dinner. Please stay,
0: <laughs> don't go. It, but it did go away. Like so many beautiful things in the world, <laughs> they got taken away from us. Um, so,
1: it, would, yeah. would you still hurt my pride, baby, yeah, till I cry, yeah, yeah. And then he does that beautiful descending mm-hmm. glissando again. And uh, this time, be different, please. And and again, a little bit of a list there. Please, please. I, I can't even do I, – I shouldn't. I, you're not going to – it's a little bit insulting to – imitate a list, but so it does, but the he's doing there?
0: something. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. There is sort of like, it might be that, or it might just be some sort of effect of the slight, uh, like oldness of the, the master right. that we're listening. To. It right, might be right. something yeah. crackly or something possibly, but we like it because it adds a dynamic texture to the song. So, uh, and then that's about
1: it. That's the, that's the end of the song. You have no impression that there's any hope that this singer might stay. So, or sorry, that the, that the romantic interest might stay. So really what we're hearing sounds like a person who is in like a very bad state. It is, as you Mm -hmm. said, a dark night of the soul. And you're sort of just like shouting into the void of like repeating
0: over and over again, please stay, don't go. And um, it's not going to happen. She's gone, man. One final complaint about the song and the arrangement is that it ends with a sustained note from the backing singers. And I'm like, I literally have this in all caps. Why not from the organ? That's that's the sound we want. We want that. But instead he gets these women. <laughs> the way I said that doesn't sound good. <laughs> these women. <laughs> these backing singers that you said are sort of at a Chet Atkins song. Are like the ones that end the song. Why are they the ones that end the song? They have nothing really to do with the the narrative of the song they're not to do really to me with the interpretation of the song they're just kind of window dressing it should end either with the singer who's been able to sustain this vibrato right with the way he does the song like if you had an like two choices having paul slash carl crane give you a really nakedly exposed final note which would like leave you breathless and uh what was the word uh rocked rocking uh and well the, the the words that you used from the um from the song by alex Chilton. yeah what were they rocking and moaning I, yeah I, rocking
1: yeah moaning and pleading on the ground but here it is I, I begged and i pleaded i rocked and i moaned
0: yeah i feel like you could either end with the singer Kind of closing it out, or the, of course the classic organ swell. But I think it's a failed opportunity. However, again, I do wonder if it's possible that Joe Meek would say, "Well, I did lots of that kind of organ sound, so this song just didn't have it." Like, sorry, bud, I know you're one of those big organ fans. Like, probably followed Joe Meek around. When are you gonna use this kind of organ on your song? So I'm just like some sort of like deadhead for organs, and uh, maybe he was just getting annoyed by that. He wanted a new sound. But I don't want it. I want a cool final swell from the organ. I demand it. I pay taxes. That's where my taxes go. They go to final swells on organs in 60s songs, apparently. That's why we call you Sweldon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So I think my rant should probably lead us on to the next song, unless you have any final thoughts. No, um, let's not wait. Let's, okay, then let's get on to the next song, which is what? Turns out to be Baby Let's Wait by the Royal Guardsman. Here it is.
5: You say you'll always be proud of me. Well, I'm gonna see that you
2: do, baby. if I do
5: what you want me to, yeah. Marry now, struggle by anyway, anyhow. Living in misery, is that how you See that you do, baby I'll be somebody, something If you wait, babe, I promise you, yeah Cause I got my pride All kids gonna hold this head apart Nothing like you and me
0: was the Royal Guardsman from actually 1966, but a hit in 1968 with a song called Baby Let's Wait. I've got some good facts on this. I know Eric found out the same information. Thought he was going to scoot me. Didn't do it. This song was written by Lori Burton and Pam Sawyer. I'm going to talk about them a little bit. They are an underrated songwriting duo. They wrote oh boy, did they write a lot of songs. Uh Pam Sawyer wrote Love Child for uh, the Supremes and then t- and. Wait, did yep. you know
1: can I jump in with a quick anecdote? Yeah. So yeah, we yeah, can compare it. let's let's share some facts here.
0: Yeah, I'll let you start. Yeah, you do it. Yeah.
1: So um Pam Sawyer um, had was born in London, England. She wanted to become a songwriter. She contacted Lou Grade in London, was impressed, and introduced her to a visiting American pianist, Bob Meyer. And mm. Bob, sorry, Bob Mercy. Sorry, Bob. Mm. And she and Bob Mercy got married in 1958 and eventually in 1961 moved to New York City. And Bob Mercy is a composer and a a very, very good pianist, uh, Juilliard Educated. And I listened to an interview with Pam Sawyer, and she was like, yeah, so I married this guy, Bob Mercy. And he's this incredible piano player, like trained composer, as we just stated, losers. And and they decided to try writing songs together. Mm -hmm. And I could tell from the way she was telling stories, she was like, so I was imagining this guy's going to, like, make me feel like a fool with his incredible virtuosic ability. But she was like, it just didn't work. He couldn't do it. She, she was basically uh-huh. saying, like, this guy could do all this stuff. He could write for, for an orchestra. He could do this. But he couldn't write these pop songs that I wanted mm-hmm. to write and I could do very well. That was what was implied. So that didn't work out. But she said, to, um, like, socially it worked out because they got married. Mm-hmm. Later separated. And, and uh, <laughs> Bummer. they ended up in new york city and she met lori burton a singer and pam sawyer liked lori burton's voice so they were together and they were writing songs and they really loved the animals around the time that they wrote baby let's wait and they wanted to write a song for the animals so i was hearing this in this podcast i listened to where they're talking to pam sawyer and i got excited because i was like wait baby let's wait was written for the animals and then For a couple hours, I was envisioning this animals version of Baby Let's Wait. And let me tell you, Weldon, my imagined version Mm -hmm.
0: of Baby Let's Wait by the Animals is so good. Now that you mentioned it. So you did scoot me because I didn't know that. So uh, I take it all back. You did scoot me. I didn't know that information. So they went to this is like a pretty recent interview or like from the
1: 2000s, at at least with Pam Sawyer, who uh, Mm -hmm. left Motown in the. 80s i believe like or 1980 early 80s to go do her own songwriting thing Mm -hmm. and she's now telling the story so so yeah they're wanting to write the song for the animals i thought it was baby let's wait turns out it wasn't baby let's wait so they went to the record company that represented the animals at that time and they played them the song which i guess was um i ain't gonna eat
0: my heart out I ain't gonna eat out my heart anymore. I yet eat my, yeah, great title. Great title. And and I messed it up. Right. Yeah, so, Young Rascals they, and uh, Ugly Duck Things, that we could do an episode on that song because that's, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, it is a good one. That's what I was thinking too. I was like, we could do an episode on this. So, yeah.
1: they played that song and they were like, so we got it. This one's going to the animals. And the record company was like, that's a good idea, but we've got this new band, The Young Rascals. Rascals. And they yeah, were yeah, like, yeah. well, but. We don't, we don't know this guy. We don't want them to sing the song. It was written for the animals. And they were like, wait till you hear the young rascals. <laughs> and so they had, this is a classic thing where you come excited about a project and someone takes it and they just turn yeah, it. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Well, you've just kind of stolen all my enthusiasm for this project and throw, thrown it on the ground and stomped it. <laughs> so the song went to the young rascals and Pam Sawyer even said like, well, it didn't totally work. The match wasn't totally right. So you could tell she felt like if I ain't going to, eat my heart out anymore she, she thought, I ain't gonna
0: eat out my heart anymore yeah, thank yeah. you
1: she yeah. thought if the animals had got that it would have like gone to the top i guess but yeah. she said that they liked the young rascals they were good guys they were good players she she liked the effort they put into the song so they wrote another song for the young rascals mm-hmm. which was baby let's wait and Pam yeah. sawyer says uh you know outright she says that's the song that led to love child
0: so ah. baby let's
1: wait is the father of Love Child. Yeah, there is there's no is doubt.
0: Lyrical, yeah, there's definite lyrical, uh, like the, as a story song, they're, they're real similar. So it makes sense. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, and the Young Rascals do do this uh, song first. Uh, and actually the Poor Souls also do. So we could also do, we could have done a Baby Let's Wait episode to just do those versions. But I mean, it happened to work in the Slow Burns uh, organ version. But Another I guess, band does it, Denny Baleen and the Rich Kids. I'm sure oh. it's
1: ironic, but that's a funny name for a band.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And their version is so
1: slow. It is so slow. It's oh. definitely one of those songs where you go to your record player and you
0: check the speed <laughs> setting and you're like, no, is, no, I guess that's it. I guess this is the speed. I think thing. I might have listened to because I do remember this week listening to something where I thought I had to put the like the sound of it up to 1.25 on YouTube. So that might have been the one actually. But uh, yeah, hit us some more, some more information then about uh, Burton and Sawyer if, if you got it there. No, that's really
1: all I have. But I, I do know, as you do, that um, her and Lori Burton did all kinds of stuff together, wrote a ton of songs. They did the White Boots um,
0: and some classic Girl Garage. Um, Yeah, that, yeah that's really all the facts I have. The song they did by the White Boots is Nightmare. It's considered one of the like the greatest girl group songs of all time. It's definitely out Shangri-La's the Shangri-La's it's a death disc it's a song about like murder and it's really theatrical and uh and then Lori Burton has an album in 67 she it's called Breakout it is good it is a good album it's I'm compiling a list of like the the greatest girl group albums or just like girl related albums from that time Breakout would be on there 100 percent um and uh, she does a version of nightmare on it. So that's Lori Burton. They, the other song they do that we're going to do an episode on Guaranteed is try to understand um, little Hank original then by Lulu love that version. And then there's a band called the British mod beats from St. Catharines, Ontario who do it. So that's a Burton Sawyer production. Um, so yeah, there's lots. I'm glad that we highlighted them as the songwriters of the song. Cause it just means, first of all, we'll preview it. But now that you mentioned it, a baby, let's wait by the animals would be insane. I know. So good. Yeah, I just kept singing it because
1: you can just hear Eric Burden singing that chorus like, No, No. baby, let's wait. And you can hear him like shouting and going and also doing those like, baby, baby. Yeah.
0: Marrying now, struggle by anyway, yeah. anyhow. It's like And man, victim of poverty. of poverty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This song's got great lines. He would do it <laughs> so well. So they know what they're doing. But of course, this is the Royal Guardsman. so they're <laughs> famous for. I mean, I like the Royal Guardsmen. Their albums are pretty. Yeah, good. we we haven't
1: even mentioned Snoopy versus the Red
0: Baron <laughs> yet. Yeah. yeah, which is that I think that's why we're a good podcast. You think that maybe Royal Guardsmen? We take five minutes before we go. Oh, and by the way. The Royal Guardsmen and they also are famous for Snoopy and the Red Baron. But The Royal Guardsmen are a uh, garage rock band from uh Florida, they're high school kids and, and this was uh, their then, first
1: this is their first single. And yeah, Snoopy yeah, versus Red Baron was their second
0: single. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is I think like they do this song before anyone meets them and goes, "Hey, I think it's some it's that classic story of someone meets them. I read something that some guy met them and then said, "I want you to some manager comes up to them backstage. They were probably hoping for like female groupies or something and they get this like guy with a stogie that comes back there and is like write me something with a marching uh, beat to it because he wanted to write a song about snoopy and the red baron so they for some reason did it and the classic thing with bubblegum bands if you want to say that the royal guardsmen are which i think you could is uh they they wrote the song they did it and then they listened back to what they did and went oh we hate it it's just awful and then of course their whole career's are defined by Snoopy or the red Baron and all the other Snoopy songs they did, which quite frankly, I love Snoopy and there. Uh, it's, it's, the it's a, it's a great song. you're so never going to have that song. Come on and be like, oh, I can turn this shit off. You're always going to turn it up. <laughs> it's so
1: good. It even quotes Louie Louie in it. So, and the, like, the funniest thing about that is it's obviously. Uh, like a bit of a career curse is as, as much as it was hmm. like the thing they're known for. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause they all that, like, if you look at Wikipedia, I thought I copied it, but all of Royal Guardsmen's best-known songs are all Snoopy songs. There's, like, mm-hmm. four, like, Snoopy Christmas and this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then even in, like, 2006 or something, they released a song called Snoopy versus Osama. This Osama,
0: which I didn't listen to, which has got to be
1: super I d- I weird. I did listen to. It's so weird. It's, like, serious. It's yeah. Like, it's <laughs> like they're actually, they're like, Osama, Snoopy's gonna come get you. And, you, and I'm like, wait a second, are you guys... So, because Snoopy versus Red Baron wow. was like was a joke song,
0: but this <laughs> Weird. seems to actually be a serious song. Yeah, I, I don't. know. That's bizarre. That is so bizarre. But well, you know, I guess it. It. I don't. The one thing I do know is apparently the Royal Guardsmen are named after an amp or something too. Like they're named after some sort of like piece of musical equipment. Jeez, but I was how could
1: I, I? How could I not know that? That's a
0: not that I know I, all about all these okay. I all I'm going to say is that I read I've read some various things that I didn't write down this week. So so that's uh, an interview that I read. And often when you get these interviews, they're really poorly formatted because they're on old GeoCities like pages. Yeah. <laughs> so you see, so, so they're formatted to the point where they're in tiny font, but like they take up the whole page, so you can't. Uh, you can't actually read it because you can't blow up the page. You can't like maximize the, the screen because I'm getting old. My eyesight's getting bad. So I couldn't really read it. But I seem to remember that they called the band the Royal Guards because it was some sort of piece of uh, musical equipment or something. Oh, also,
1: did you know that Ipoo do a version of this song?
0: Oh, do they? Yeah, oh. called Resto Conley. Oh, geez. It's because we've done them. What was the song we did by them? Uh, oh, God, who knows? Uh, what, what was it?
1: Uh, was it... Uh, no, it wasn't from above, was it? No.
0: No, I you I'm know I'm I mean, gonna I really remember. Uh Ipu, of course, the band from Italy, uh that we did on a, a podcast. I'm just gonna go back here. Was it one, two, three, red light?
1: Yeah, yeah, stupidity? I think it
0: was one, two, three, red light. Oh no, it was keep on running because it was Vieni, Fiore. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fiore <laughs> down your core. We've done too oh, yeah. many songs now. Yeah, but we gotta take a break. It's it's we're getting close to Christmas. Oh, we, by the way, we better talk about our year end thing. Uh, yeah. We we, get... When we started this podcast, we should have said, this is a weekly podcast
1: that takes a break once every two months or something. But no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we had to say, this is a weekly podcast that never, ever takes a break.
0: Yeah, I know. Cause now we're, we're always, you know, we're, we're putting it out there for the people and, um, I, I don't know, give us a little bit of love people like at least follow our Facebook page. That is getting a little bit quiet. Yeah. down there part is because i'm not uh keeping it up as much as i used to but our instagram page obviously in the past podcast uh should be followed and it is popular and the, uh, we connect with many other people especially our fans on there so you should get into that but back to the royal guards yeah it's and possible this... we haven't talked about this song yet <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it, you're right yeah so this is the band's first single but it's actually their last hit which is interesting eh? because uh it makes it's a small hit for them in the it's like well wait first, but snoopy's five. a hit no, no, what I mean is this is their first single, which wasn't a hit, but then it's their last single too, because they release it later in 68 and then it becomes... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. So, yeah, yeah. So so another elegiac uh, sort of fact there, just like we had with the last song. So yeah, let's get into the song now. Let's start talking about... It. Obviously, number one thing, there's an organ in it. <laughs> it. It's a, it's a gorgeous song. It's got that
1: tremulous organ that it's Mm -hmm. got that little bit of like vibrato on it. That, you know, know, that is really, really nice. And then, so it's a song about, um, you know, it's great to know that two women wrote this Mm -hmm. song because it is. And when you know that it is a a message that seems a little surprising from being sung by a group of young men, like, Whoa, hold on. Let's Mm -hmm. wait. Let's not go ahead yeah 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 it's fat let's talk about yeah so the song's about like we shouldn't have a have a baby right it's it's not about we shouldn't sleep together i don't it it is about like we shouldn't have a baby is it because i think they're saying like well if we did that i wouldn't be able to you know make
0: the most of my life and do this and that Mm. am i interpreting it wrong well i don't know i mean i didn't think too much about like what it all adds up to but um it does seem like it's something along the lines of these are it's a young marrying a couple that's getting married or is about to get married. And they're talking about, like, it does seem like they are struggling because the word struggle is in there and that they're talking about, it does seem like they're talking about waiting to have a baby. And that's interesting for from the love child songwriter. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now, when, now that you mentioned that as, as I had, um, asserted quite emphatically the connection to love child. I think it's got to be the baby thing. And of course they say mm. babe and baby throughout the song many, many times, but this was an era where they were saying babe and baby in songs a lot. And there's a couple lines in here and there are a couple of the best lines in the song that seem to fit in with that Dylan-esque style of lyric writing. Like, um, uh, uh I'm going to see that you do babe. That, mm. That's such a, that's one of the best, like just the cadence of that line. Yeah. Um, well, I'm gonna see that you do, babe. And then later, these lines about like, um, I got my pride. Our kid's gonna hold his head up high. Nothing like you and me, victim of poverty. To me, that's all about like. If we were to have a kid now before we made Mm -hmm. something of our lives, we would just continue this cycle of poverty and we'd never be able to get it. Yeah,
0: it's about getting established. I imagine it's the kind of song that maybe my parents would have uh, identified with in exactly this time period where they're probably getting married in 67. My parents, I'm telling the story of my parents, they're probably surprised listening right now. Or my dad skipped over this part because he. Ah, uh, they've been talking too long. I want to get to the next song, <laughs> and he doesn't know that we're actually talking about the family here. But the idea of like waiting to have the child so they can get established economically—it's just like it's very—it's uh, a real real life song here like bruce springsteen would like this because it's like it's just about real american life
1: yeah which is why it would have been a good animal song even though this isn't Mm -hmm. the song that was written for the animals because they would do those kind of gritty songs too which influenced bruce springsteen later to do those kind of gritty songs as well where's like trojan condoms buying this song (laughs) for their commercials
0: although maybe it would have (laughs) been the young
1: rascals version but this one would have been good too
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, so one thing I like about the songs, it's got similar kind of blue-eyed soul, but in a different way than, say, um, the uh, Please Stay that we just heard. We've got, you know, you say you'll always be proud of me. This uh, karaoke ability. Like, we didn't talk about karaoke ability of Please Stay. That one would be hard to do because of its dynamics. But it would be hard. Be fun. This yeah. one would be a great one because it's got a sing-along
1: chorus. Now, mm. when you're able to create a ballad, like a slow, ballad, a slow ballad, but with an anthemic sing-along chorus, mm-hmm. you, you got something
0: there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this song needs to be bigger, for sure. Because uh, it's. I keep listening to it all week. I've listened to all the songs all week. And this one was, well, this was also, a, I wouldn't call it a late edition, but originally the original lineup of the Oregon Slowburns was the three songs that we have. And then this one got added when I discovered it, because it was this year. I hadn't heard the song before. And I was like, oh, I got to put this in the Oregon Slowburns. It's so good, but this is the one that's still kind of, to me, the new addition. And I love it. I love the, uh, the way he sings. And I love that uh, there's other things going on. There's some real, the band is really restrained as they have to be in an organ bird, but there's still some kind of banjo sounding plucking of the guitar. uh, I've got to say, I didn't know the Royal Guardsmen were this good.
1: And I have, I have a Royal Guardsmen album too. I, I I just did. Uh I, I think I, I, it's not, and like you said, I love Snoopy versus the Red Baron, but I think
0: I might have underestimated the Royal Guardsmen. A ton, yeah. Well, I mean, they even do a good version of Bo Diddley. Like uh, they're, they're just a good garage rock band who just got kind of swept away in a commercial sort of endeavor. Right. Um, but even their commercial endeavor is nicely trashy. Like we're, we're all for it. Snoopy and the Red Baron. Like you, I love a band that can do Snoopy and the Red Baron and then baby let's wait. You got, yeah, you got, yeah, have, right. like they got to hold their head up high because like they're the ones who did these two crazy dynamically different songs and both are rad so we love that but uh yeah the the little so that little banjo sounding and then i just love honestly i really love the drums in this because you just have to sit hold back but there's still some nice cymbal splashes in there and uh the bass is also doing something kind of tasteful but simple so everyone's just like plugging along here while the singer gets to do but there is a moment at the end we'll talk about that i really love because it's like in this restrained song well i'll just say it now why not I love that the end of the song, when finally someone else in the band goes, baby, baby, because he's been holding back. Like, come on. The song has been in the organ slow burn the whole time. We got to just freak out. And then they do. And then they fade it out. Like, we got to fade it out now before everyone gets wild. Then we start freaking out and into an acid jam here or a 66 style music so it's a hard thing to like keep this rolling boil going but they do it in the song and of course the the lyrics are great i'll be nobody nothing if i do what you want me to yeah i'm sorry i'm singing it now it I'm really like is Eddie better A well-written song, and it's got a
1: nice chord progression, nice chord changes, good lyrics. Like, these are the kind of songs that have a songwriter behind them, right? When you hear Mm -hmm. a a pop rock band doing a song that's been written by someone who's a professional songwriter, and then they have lines in them like, victim of poverty, you know, that kind Mm of stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah yeah and then um you know there's nice backing vocals in here that are also continue mm-hmm. that kind of slightly haunting effect and there's a great guitar solo too it, that's kind of where the outro comes i guess it's not really a solo it's just like ding ding it's a arpeggio that he's doing mm-hmm. there um and really like in a way i've i've talked about everything i like about the song the the i mean we, we can go back to the lyrics a little bit but we've we've kind of already done it. we've got that chorus love baby let's and one thing that they do don't do which i great because it it is a song, I think, for me, what defines this song is the fact that you want to get bombastic. Because when they go, love, baby, love, you could imagine orchestral, like timpani and stuff going boom, 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 boom. Yeah, but yeah. they don't do it. They don't do it. And you just, you can kind of sense that a lot of people are going, we should do it we should add all that kitchen sink stuff and put it in there and they don't do it except for as i've said it before the thing i love the royallette for me in the song is that guy at the end who just <laughs> wants maybe he just wants to get his voice on record like the great uh gene vincent bebop alula is that the song where there's the drummer who starts screaming and uh and it's like some teenage kid who's in his band and he's just going <laughs> she's the one who loves me more and, more. and he's going. Ah! You have this kid in the background. The legend of that is that the kid just wanted his parents who, when they bought the record, to know he was on it so he screamed so he could hear his voice, which makes the song even better. Like it will it puts it into like even more immortal status. So I like the idea that someone in the Royal Guardsman just went hey, man, because they first of all thought, Well, look, the song needs a little bit of that heightened thing that uh Joe Meek did in Please Stay. Mm. Like you could almost imagine that they might be responding to a song like Please Stay because are similar. It's very similar feels to them but i think the guy's just feeling it that he just they threatened to blow up a song like this is ready to boil over and so you get it from that end part there i think that to me defines the greatness of the song uh, is that that singer at the end just wants to like interject and do that soulful thing so i don't know maybe he was doing it and i just didn't notice it earlier but that's my that's my take on this song And what beautiful
1: sentiments here in a world of such generally simplistic lyric writing with, you know, notable exceptions. But these things like you said, you'll always be proud of me. I'm going to see that you do, but I'll be mm. nobody nothing if I do what you want me to. It's like, hey, look, the, the kind of person that you love me for being, mm. uh, I'm going to lose that if I do what you want me to do. Like it's a quite a co- complex uh, yeah thing it's rhetorical that,
0: yeah because in in that I guess the second verse you say you'd always be needing me well I'm gonna see that you do baby so that's second, so it's repeated. I'll be somebody something if you wait, but babe, I promise you mm, yeah,
1: just hold on
0: things are uh, things are gonna be this way he's gonna see in the future it's pretty good to do a a story song that's only got three verses, although you've got a bridge right, Marion now struggle by anyway, anyhow, living in misery is that how you? Want it to be? Oh man, it's no,
5: baby.
3: Let's, let's wait. I
0: love. <laughs> I've got I've got love, baby. Let's wait. But no is good too. Oh, I, this song karaoke ability is twelve out of ten for me on this one. But it, it might be no because I was going back and forth on what he was actually saying in the song. So um, who knows? Who knows? But it doesn't matter because man, it's it's a good song. I and liked it
1: being no too because in um I ain't gonna.
0: Eat out my heart anymore. Yeah, yeah.
1: They, they, they have a line that always starts with yes. And I'm like, well, they did that mm. song. They're like, what are we going to do in the next song? Well, what if we go no? Because the last one yeah. we, we did, yes. This one we do, no.
0: I don't doubt that they've got some like little formulas like that because I don't, it just seems like something that uh, would help generate, you know, ideas and then generate like songs like this. But the 60s was about, you know, even a band like the Royal Guardsman all of a sudden putting out like a really substantial song like this. And, you know, it just kind of getting lost in the shuffles. There's so many good songs. And of course, I guess the, the Young Rascals had a hit with this, but it wasn't that big. But, um, it's funny to look at pictures of the young rascals and forget that they wore those hilarious costumes, like those little boy from the 18 eighties or something kind of thing. And you're like, they must've hated that, but uh, (laughs) they were a good band. So, uh, you know, let's not uh, be too upset for them. Uh, Do you have anything else to say? I mean, it's a song. I feel like we didn't say a lot, but I feel like we said a lot, if you know what I mean, we didn't spend, well, we probably did spend 30 minutes and I've probably mostly just talked with songwriters and then the Royal Guardsmen and Snoopy. But I feel like we've, 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 We've moved the needle a bit.
5: What
1: oh yeah. Okay. Oh, Resto Conley. Let us let us move on. Resto Conley. Yeah. <laughs> I, I which I think meant like I'm not staying with her or something. I, I did. I I actually went so far as to Google translate the lyrics. Oh. to Conley. so yeah, they
0: changed it totally. So hey, guys, what? You just totally like distorted this. song. Ah, yeah, cool so you, anyway. you didn't make it about the same thing at all. <laughs> no, no, we just like going, bum, 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 bum. Yeah, I'll have to listen to the EPU version because now it, it sounds like a Baby Let's Wait episode when we're really hurting for ideas, but that's going to be like five years from now. So let's move on to the last. And you can see, of course, the conceptual thing moving here. So you know it's the end because we're playing Bye Bye by the band, but we actually are going to come back to talk about this song. So here it is. That was The Band. What a cool name for a band. The Band. Way better
1: name than The Band,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They had it already, the the right idea. The Band from 1965, Bye Bye. And I'll tell you straight out, this is the song that made me decide to do this episode, this theme episode on Slow Burns. Because I was one day, probably a year ago, saying, what are songs like Bye Bye by The Band? Because, man, that song is so cool. But I don't know enough songs that have that kind of like cool organ sound. And then I found the ones that you found. And in a way, they don't exactly relate, I realize now. I'm like, well, the other three songs were cool, Oregon, Slowbirds. This song has a lot else going on, but I'll tell you a little bit about the band first because at least Garage Hangover has done uh, a very hard-to-read page on these guys.
1: What is with the comment sections in Garage (laughs) Hangover? (laughs)
0: there is all reunion pages of all it is is people i was in this band or i knew the guy that lived next door to the guy was in this band if there was a rankings for social
1: media spaces with the most seniors facebook would sometimes be number one but every once in a while
0: garage hangover would like just (laughs) overtake it yeah the seniors of the world it it proves that there was some statistic done by it was like mike stacks or someone who is in uh, the telltale hearts Someone who is one of the people who does, uh, you know, pebbles or boulders or one of those uh, back from the grave, I don't know who it was, who created a statistic that I think is just totally made up, but it might actually be done with some research is that I don't know what 63% of, of American teenagers were in a band in the six in 1966. Now, I don't know. But if, but when you go on garage hangover, you're like, I think it might be true. Because there's so many old timers on there talking about. The band that's being mentioned because there were so many tiny little garage rock bands in mm-hmm. every little town. These guys were from Lompoc, California, near the Vandenberg Air Force Base. This is all from Garage Hangover, north of Santa Barbara. Members were Tony McGuire, guitar and lead, Oliver McKinney, keyboards, who you'll see. Uh, he's playing the cool organ, and he's on the comment section. On on bass or in keyboards and comments section. Uh, and then you got Frank Strait on the bass and Randy Gordon on the drums. Uh, and this is from November of 1965. And they I like the way Garage Hangover describes it. A magical record with the perfect garage organ sound, CFI care vocals, resounding drums, and a crude energetic guitar solo. So I'll throw it to Eric now to start talking about this song.
1: My God, this is a cool song. The more I mm-hmm. listen to the song this week, the more I think, i you know, you can't say this, but this is almost like a perfect garage song. Mm-hmm. Like it's got the cool chord combo. It's not quite as simple as it sounds, so it's still interesting to listen to. It's got that great organ sound. It's got amazing guitar. Like not even a mm-hmm. good guitar. It has amazing guitar. It mm-hmm. has harmonies, which are sometimes good harmonies, and sometimes simplistic harmonies, like in the in the pre chorus when they go when the background vocals go ah, and he goes like no mm-hmm. no. I, I didn't write the lyrics. no no. no. and one of the keys to this song to me is the line bye bye and how it comes in to the pattern because so you've got the verse do you do you remember what the first lines
0: are of the song oh i don't know i never yeah, found I, it I can't, I so can't anyways, hear what they're singing actually yeah it's so
1: going I like since but then and then they're doing the same chords but there's a wait right before they go bye bye because before they mm. had been coming in sooner in the line with the lines. So I think mm-hmm. that that wait for the lines come in and then when it comes in and the line is bye-bye and everyone knows bye-bye. It's a great thing to shout. If you were in the mm-hmm. audience, you'd be waiting. You'd be waiting to say bye-bye with them. And yeah. you, every time you would say it with them because you would have been going to see them in Lompoc <laughs> yeah, yeah. near near the Vandenberg, Vandenberg Air, Air Force, Air Force base, base north of Santa, north of Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. <laughs> yeah. And and you would have been going to see the band and um, – I wonder if there were times when people were like, "Hey, I've got tickets for the band," and people were like, "Oh, the band! Oh, that's great! I'm gonna go see them." And like, take a load off, annie No, no, bye, bye. No, no, this is the band, bye bye
0: and this is why I don't think the band of a, a song as good as this. No, of course not. This this song is. You're right. This is a great garage rock song. Uh, it starts off with a cool little guitar intro, which because. We, it's been a while now. It's like a few minutes since we listened to it. I can't remember exactly what it is. I know there's yeah. one
1: line and there's like like ticketing ticket down.
0: Yeah, there's, there's, uh, I don't know. And then, of course, the organ comes in. It's playing the, uh, it's just playing some chords. It's doing the rolling kind of sound. Uh, it's got kind of, it's just as, as they say, the perfect garage organ sound. So here we don't have like a, I mean, it does seem like it's still a song using an organ and it seems to be about a relationship because there's one refrain that I can actually hear them singing, which is every time I sit by you, you make me feel so good. Now I know. Which is a great line, right?
1: Who who, <laughs> who sings a line about just sitting by someone and think, saying that's
0: great? Like It is kind of sweet. And now I know you come in here. I always knew you would. And then there's some guitar sings. meow, meow, meow. meow. Meow meow. Um, so lots of cool things. It actually seems like it might be kind of joyous because he says he doesn't say bye bye forever. He goes bye bye. I'll see you soon. Like yeah. maybe it's like ending your date with your girlfriend and going, Hey, I'm gonna see you tomorrow. Because it Just sounds say, joyous,
1: doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Here's one for you, Weldon. Here's a comment from Oliver McKinney from Garage Ooh. Hangover. I'm gonna read the comment. Good, wow, that's a blast from the past. Very odd to hear these tunes after so many years. (laughs) I did notice one thing. The recordings online are a bit sped up. I don't think anyone in the band could sing as high as some of those notes. Anyway, it's very cool to see the record label and hear the songs once again. My thanks to Chaz Kit and Garage Hangover for the trip down memory lane. Hmm. So, could the tune be sped up? And here's why I think maybe yes. Yes. Nobody can play guitar that fast. That guitar <laughs> playing is so fast. Honestly, like, who plays guitar like, ding, 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 ding like, give me a yeah. break. Unless they've got, like, Jeff Beck on speed on the guitar, I don't know ah. if it's not sped up. So I think, now, I don't care if it's sped up. It doesn't take anything away from the song. Whatever makes the song into the form that I enjoy it so much, I, mm. I think it's the right speed that it should be. So if it's been sped up, kudos. But mm. I, I do think it's a possibility that the song is sped up.
0: interesting okay i yeah it's that's that's neat to know because uh well when you get to uh again the lyrics i just don't it seems like there's a lot of words but i don't know what they're saying but but i'll say one thing is the what the band is singing sounds really cool the way they're singing it i said here, here, and I it here. <laughs> yeah 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 right. cool it like, doesn't it matter sounds, what the words are exactly but i've been listening to this song for years because i had it on a compilation that i can't it's a garage beat 66 so i think i've had it for at least over a well over a decade, 20 maybe 15 years
1: i had garage and- beat 66 too
0: so i also had the song and recall yeah. like also digging it to the same degree yeah, and I've just always liked the way it sounds. It's definitely the, the standout track for me on that. And I've been listening to it for years and finally get to talk about it. But I love that then, of course, besides the fact that they're just doing cool sounding words that we don't have to act, let's say relief that we don't have to analyze them. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Especially One on of,
1: song four. Who wants to yeah, analyze lyrics on song
0: four? I, I like that we're bringing it back because there's a, at 131, there's just a scream. Ah! And then a freak out guitar solo, which we now think is probably sped up. But beyond that, as soon as the guitar solo is over, they give it to the organ and they spotlight the organ for three seconds of a nice, just a note sustain. Wah. And oh, I love it. I, I love also that. like how there's some spots where the the
1: vocal stagger a little bit. They don't. They, they go like, oh yeah, like one well, of the reasons yeah. they're like, oh yeah, and it's just a little
0: out of, out of sync, but like oh, in yeah. a way that's really cool. Yeah, that's definitely towards the end. There's someone go, oh baby, yeah. Someone says something like that, which again adds to. Uh, so you can call it a royalette. We're we're not identifying as many royalettes lately. So there's there's one in there when the band is they're doing a lot of shouting. That's it's got rock and roll energy. It've got a, a obviously a great organ sound and some stabs. In that outro, it's just that. Mm, bap, mm, bap, mm, bap, mm, bap. And then proper fade, because that's what I want. One of these out of these songs is a
1: organ ending. every end. Yeah. Great and, bass line. The boom 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 mm-hmm. boom. Boom, 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 boom. Awesome bass line. A tambourine mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, like a stomp or something with the tambourine. I, I yeah. couldn't tell exactly, but the tambourine is great. Now, here's, Weldon, this is a great question.
3: Mm.
1: Why not dump for bars when they're closing, dump that semi-sonic song, Closing oh, Time, hmm. Time oh. to, to Bring in this? Why yeah. not play Bye Bye? I am so tempted. To make bye-bye the song that we play at the end of the podcast the mm. only thing is so right now we've got this beautiful symmetry where at the beginning we play uh in the past by we the people mm-hmm. and then at the end we play in the past by chocolate watch band in the past is the song that inspired the podcast it's an uh, the first episode we recorded though not published and mm-hmm. to take those and sandwich the or bookend the podcast in those versions is really good but Ending the podcast with bye-bye by the
0: band is also a great way to, to end mm-hmm. it. Yeah, well, we should put a vote to uh, to the people out there. W- what do you want us to end with? The glacially beautiful chocolate watch band version, because in our um, inaugural episode where we recorded, which was the whole concept of the podcast was me sending something to Eric saying, listen to these two versions, which one is better and you said, we, the people, and I was like, I go with chocolate watch band because I liked sort of the fact that there's was a little more sort of like ar- Arctic explorers in the psychedelic sea of sound. And we, the people is a punk version, which I like too, but I, I went for the epicness of it. And so, but should we end with something? Well, see that to me is the nice symmetry. So right away I've already talked myself into keeping uh, <laughs> because I'm like, I like that symmetry, like you said, because bye bye is another kind of punk song. But then again, having a punk song ending where uh, we also have a punk song, although you wouldn't say that uh, in the past by We The People is a classic sounding garage punker because it's got that really crazy, what's the name of the instrument now? I can't remember anymore. Uh, uh, Octachord? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the octachord. But let the people weigh in. If you want to hear Bye Bye by the band as the closing song, but here's the song about or, why. It or worked.
1: we could use the strings from
0: "Please Stay" from the crime. <laughs> <Police laughs> well, my argument about why sonic closing time is a, a better song to play. Is that you want to leave as soon as you hear it? <laughs> right, bye bye everyone, and be like, now we're gonna kick the party. Yeah, the, the the, next oh, notch. so the party, so the party's now hit its peak. So now we're gonna like just start shouting out more cool songs or just play it again. So now, no one's <laughs> gonna leave when you play bye bye because we're be like you're gonna be waiting for the organ sound. Mm-bop, 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 mm. That 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 ending with that sort of like yeah, it sounds good. And now that we say that, uh, baby, let's
1: wait should be a song for lining up any place. You've got a lineup and you're mm-hmm. like, let's get out of here. This lineup's too long. They should play. No baby. Let's wait. And, and if wait, you're, oh yeah, let's just wait.
0: And if you're at a baseball game with your significant other and they want to leave, you're like, please stay. <laughs> <laughs> you sing that. And then what, wait, what was our first song? I've completely forgotten what our first song was. Cause I, I don't must have run. I must run. I must run. I must get. Oh, well away. that's, that's another good one for like getting away from some people. Like, well, I must run. Well, gotta go. So <laughs> I must run. I must run. Or yeah. So we've got we've made it managed to like bring new soundtracks to your day. Eric, do you have any last things to say about the band before we move to the ever exciting? And this one's going to be a tough one this week. And I've been thinking of all week the Bo Diddley Award. Obviously, I think listeners are getting a sense of what we're getting excited about, and it's not just the beer that we're drinking, although it helps, but. <laughs> Uh, I mean it could go could go anywhere it could go you, you could surprise any one of us could surprise each other, but do you have any last ban comments? no let's get to the uh the Bodidley award all right, so we're gonna play some music here while we think about it and then put down our favorite song and then announce it to you and the world. Yeah. So, we have made our decision. We're going to count down and reveal on our Zoom cameras which song we picked to be the Bo Diddliest song of the week. So, three, two, one, hold them up. We both have the ban. <laughs> Eric, do you want to explain why you picked the ban? Well, here's the thing I bet you
1: were expecting that maybe I would choose the Crying Shames. Wrong. Oh. Partially because I wanted to surprise you, but really mostly, we just listened to the band and just the the structure and the result of the song is too much. That uh, so, while the organ is doing those great sounding chords underneath, and then you've got the bass going boom, 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 and then the guitar like comes in like a calm response, like boom, chak, boom, boom, chak, boom, chak, boom, boom. And then the thing that you pointed out is what really hammered it home for me, I think, is that. A lot of the words early, like the you, and I don't even think the band cares what those words are—the band or the band—and uh, then, but then they get to the part that the audience and them probably know the words to. Where they go, bye bye, I'll see you soon. You're like, yeah, that's the part we know the words to. So if you were the audience, you would just mumble for the, just like them through the early part, and then you'd sing the bye bye, I'll see you soon. And then the final thing is, I like that the word bye bye has a beautiful symmetry to it. It's just bye and by, and the song has a symmetry to it because. The first verse, they do the bye-bye, I'll see you soon. But then the second verse, they don't do it. But then the final verse of the song, they do. So it's like it gives it a symmetry
0: like the phrase bye-bye. That's nice. That's good. Um, I'll give you my excuse. Uh, First of all, it was the song that um, inspired this episode. I was thinking of songs to do that were um, kind of cool mid-tempo Organ driven garage rock songs, and the first one that I knew of that I was going to include with the band. And then I started compiling the three other songs we did to have it be the last one because you'll notice that we structured this a little bit like a conversation, right? Or we had I Must Run by Phil and the Frantics, then Please Stay by The Crying Shames, then Baby Let's Wait by The Royal Guardsman, finally, the conclusion. The decision was made by the band themselves. Bye-bye. We got it. Okay, forget it. No more of this delay that we had in the previous three. We're going to just end it now. Just like we just recently ended New Year's. So Bye-Bye would be a great New Year's song. Would you say you're an unappreciated
1: genius or a misunderstood genius? Wait, me or? You, you, yeah.
0: Are they both?
5: (laughs) Good answer. Good answer. And also...
0: Emphasis on genius. Let's not forget that that word is uh, the most important uh, <laughs> noun in that sentence. Uh, for sure. And also, uh, so just the organ tone is cool. That's kind of the thing that I was looking for. Is a, I feel like it's the coolest organ tone of all of the songs. Mm, and also, it's just great. A, great, it's a great closer. But also, more importantly, my favorite local Thai restaurant is Ban Wasana. And mm. I'm going to get some food from there very soon. So the ban is making me think of Ban Wasana. And I go, it's all those things. It's food. It's decision making. It's a great closer, this song. Imagine it being the last song in your set and have everyone scream bye bye to you. It's, uh, it's all those reasons and more. I'd all say. the great band mots we usually have during the show. <laughs> exactly. And also, yeah, they have a cool band name. Yeah. Uh, so we've talked about all those things and more. I think that we can safely say that this is the most textbook episode ever on Oregon slow burns that any Garage Rock podcast has ever done. I'd like to see a comparable one, but if there's one out there, hit us up with it. You know our social medias. Just Google In the Past Garage Rock Podcast. You'll find all the information. Do you want to say goodbye to the folks, Eric? Farewell, pastronauts. Bye-bye.